get it going. It's time to get up. Right wing for Goddard, top of the circle, steps into a slap shot, he scores! Adam Gaudet hadn't scored in 15 games, but he waited until just the right time. With 40 seconds left in the third period, he ties the game at one. Wow. These guys are here to break it all down. You know, the last few games, we've had purpose to how we wanted to play and, and believed in it the whole way, and we get a late goal to win it in a shootout. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. You play to win the game. Hello? This is the starting lineup. Here's James Zabalski and Perry Solkowski. Rise and shine, Metro Vancouver. It is Tuesday, March the 9th. This is the starting lineup here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. James Sabalski here. Perry Solkowski right there. Greg Ballack is on the other side of the glass. We're kicking it with you until 9 o'clock this morning here on 650 on the AM dial. On HD3 at 96.9, or shout out to everybody listening on the Sportsnet app. You know the Dunbar Lumber, uh, Dunbar Lumber text line. What? 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 Uh, That's okay. It's the Lumbar system, buddy. I always did it. Lumbar. I was going to say. Sour is sitting down. Like we've been at home. Got that lower back problem. It's the Lumbar system. You bet. I mean, we're only used to saying it, what, about a dozen times daily, but uh, here we go. Getting the uh, work of the bugs out bright and early. 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. You know your homework assignment, your Canucks in a song submission. We'll hit the music coming up a little later on as we pick the songs that best describe last night's effort last night. At Sportsnet 650 is where you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. Man, what a show we've got. We've got a blast from the past in terms of Montreal Canadiens, I don't know if we can go down the road of saying royalty, but, man, this guy was essentially the face of the Montreal Canadiens at one time, Pear. Well, you know, a couple weeks ago when we had Jerome Ginlaw, I was like, you know, where's Jerome Ginlaw? Just doesn't do a whole lot of talking, living in Boston, making his way back to the Okanagan. But Jose Theodore, I mean, you're talking Vesna, you're talking Hart. I mean, he was the king of the show for a while, and Jose's going to join us in the 7 o'clock hour. So, you know, talk about the fishbowl that Carey Price has made a living in. He was that guy for the Montreal Canadiens. So uh, look forward to that conversation we'll have with him at 7 o'clock. Murph, who worked late last night, will join us at 8 o'clock as we'll get into it. And you mentioned the assignment of Canucks in a song. Didn't you feel like last night? It's like you're, you've done all your work, and then somehow you, you read the question wrong. You go, oh, my goodness, I can't go there. I can't go there because, as I said, the motto for the month of March for the Vancouver Canucks should be enjoy the games, don't look at the standings. And that's exactly what happened. Incredible game. Don't look at the standings, but great effort by that team not to get put away by the Montreal Canadiens and somehow claw out with the unlikely goal source and got it and move forward and get the extra point in the overtime. Well, it was, uh, it was about 11 days ago. Pair, how about this? Uh, 11 days ago. When Hockey Night in Canada's own Ron McLean joined us here on this show, as he does every Friday morning at 7 a.m. here on Sportsnet 650. And I think Ron is now uh, on the cusp of changing his name to Ron Stradamus after this prediction he made two Fridays ago. I feel Vancouver's ready to break out. Yeah, nobody wants to hear it, but I, you know, they've got two in Winnipeg come uh, Monday, Tuesday, and then they've got the Leafs and the Canadians and... Uh, I would give it six games. Well, we've gone through five, <laughs> and they're four and one. Ron. Man. He was absolutely ripped for that, like torn to shreds. And, yeah, James, uh, 
Ron cannot wait for tomorrow night if the Canucks get a win to join us on Friday for the whole show to tell us exactly what's going to happen. Hey, he's right. And, you know, how often did we hear Travis Green come to a podium and the players say, you know, if we keep on playing this way, we'll get out of it. And They weren't the better team yesterday, but they, they weren't beat, and they were still around to get the job done. You know, it, was, it w- wasn't the prettiest game overall, but you've got a dialed-in goaltender right now. Oh. And, and I'll say this, man. I, you know, Thatcher Demko is the guy. You know, second star this week, you, you look at the conversation and the frustration that this market had watching Jacob Markstrom. And, and, hey, look, I think there were a lot of people that could understand the logic and not wanting to commit. But look at where Jacob Markstrom's at right now. And not to say that he's been bad in Calgary, but, you know, it, it took a few weeks. But, you know, I saw this great tweet from Cam Robinson last night. Thatcher Demko now sporting a 930 save percentage over his last 15 games. Bubble Demko is now just Demko. Uh, he it was outstanding. I mean, and you know what? Here's the thing. Carey Price, man, for all the knocks and all the warts that people have talked about Carey Price over the last couple of years, and particularly his struggles this season, Carey Price seems to have found his groove. That was a dialed-in Carey Price last night. The only thing he was given up were posts. Right, that there was nothing the Canucks could really find past Carey Price until Adam Gaudet with just an absolute laser of a shot that goes bar and in. Uh, what you know, Carey Price was dialed in, and Thatcher Demko met him the entire way, uh, and right into the overtime, into the shootout, and there's Thatcher Demko with another win, and the Canucks with consecutive come from behind wins now. Numbers are better than Jacob Markstrom, right? Simple as that. I mean, people will look and go, boy, Braden Holpe, the four-plus million you paid for him, but you wanted to hope that you had a, a guy who you could go to if Thatcher Demko gets tired. You know, I was on, you know, Travis Green last week when they played in Winnipeg and said play Thatcher Demko back-to-back. I do think, hey, we kind of avoided the goalie conversation in the first month of the hockey season because it wasn't just the goalies. It was a terrible team effort. Like the Montreal Canadiens went back to their hotel yesterday going, yeah, no, that's not the team that we played two months ago, man. There wasn't that kind of room in the neutral zone. And then Thatcher Demko was there to make the saves. Quinn Hughes blows a tire. You go, oh, this is it. But there he is making that save to keep them in the game. He is so dialed in. Got himself a second star of the week. Had one first star of the week. So he's won that twice as top players in the NHL. And the great thing is, and we always hear everyone talk about his demeanor. He's as casual as it gets. Philosophical in his approach. And right now is going, okay, you want to play this afternoon? I'll play. So let's see what he can do. He's... I, I don't know. Do you say he stole that hockey game? To me, when you steal a game, it means you're completely outplayed. They weren't. But, boy, it was Carey Price. All right, you haven't let anything in. I let one that I couldn't see in. Let's see who can handle it. And he gets the victory over the guy who arguably people still feel is the best goal that we have in this nation. He didn't steal the game. He kept them in it. And, uh, look, I mean, there wasn't there wasn't a lot that the Canucks conceded at the other end either. Like, there were some nice saves. You know, Demko, obviously, the Joel Armia, you know, the, the save in the second period. And, you know, look at Quinn Hughes. I mean, there were some moments, man. Quinn Hughes, you know, playing, a, playing 30 oh. minutes last night. But Quinn Hughes, my goodness, you know, that five-on-three man advantage at one point, there's Quinn, Quinn Hughes just fell down. Nobody even near him. He just dropped and fell. Like at one point, I thought maybe they should just, you know, turn down. You know, 
uh, that penalty has been declined. You know, decline that five on three like that for a for a power play that had been so efficient as of late. That was appalling how ineffective they looked last oh. night. But Quinn Hughes belly flops, and then what? The, just an egregious giveaway in that second period that forces Demko. Well, Demko didn't really have to make that. Armia kind of put that wide, but my goodness, it was like a lot of a lot of Quinn Hughes, and it wasn't always pretty. Uh, yeah, you know, everyone loves Quinn Hughes, but at some point you've got to make a decision and go, I'm not the only guy that's going to win the game. Uh, Langley Farmer saying Tyler Myers was great. He has been great. Uh, Tyler Myers has been great with some opportunities. Quinn Hughes in OT, like he was on the ice for a three-minute shift to start that. And it's not because he was stuck. He was stuck for a bit. It's by choice that he shakes off the bench. And at some point, if it doesn't go the right way, it's like, yeah, I, I know. Like, if you've got that kind of green light, you're going to start to piss off some of your teammates. Tyler Myers is standing up waiting and waiting. And Quinn Hughes, yeah, I'm going to shake you off again and again and again. When you win, you don't look at it. But, man, Quinn Hughes, at some point, like, get off the ice. It's amazing how long you can stay on. But it, I don't know if the, the indictment is that bad that those who replace you are, can't do anything. So, yeah, it's the good and the, good and the bad, the risk, the reward. Uh, it's okay because they got two points. But, man, I'm looking at that overtime going, if you get beat because you've been on there for three minutes, that is completely on you because by choice you were shaking off Tyler Myers coming on. And, by the way, is, is there not a serious issue when, when you look on a three-on-three -three overtime that Sutter and Pearson are the guys out there? Like, why don't you just throw three defensemen out there? Give me a little bit of hole glander in the OT. Come on, the guy's the water bug. Give them the opportunity to go win it rather than, uh, let's get to a shootout, let's get to a shootout. Because that, to me, was the mindset of, of Travis Green. I, I, I understand where you're going with that one. I feel like a lot of people on social media were going down that road. But is there not maybe a sense of in the game of trust? I mean, remember remember we kind of talked about this months ago when Hoaglander was still playing in the Swedish League and – you know, his own coach there um, for Rogel was kind of, eh, you know, it's still an issue. Like, I love the highlight real stuff that, that Nils can provide, but, um, you know, it, it's, oh, that's about, what... it's about a complete game. Now, he has shown like he is willing to come back and play in his own end, I would say, as a Vancouver Canuck and in the National Hockey League, but is it maybe just a trust effect? Because that was a caught, like, that was a very, that was a chess match sort of overtime. Like, that was not a, man, I love three on three. Like, that was a, uh, okay, maybe uh, you know, put the PBR button going here. Maybe you can fast forward this a little bit. Like that wasn't that wasn't fun and exciting. I thought. No, and, and you know we can go back to Travis Green and when Quinn Hughes starts and as a rookie going. When is this guy going to get the first unit power play? You have to earn it with Travis Green. Jake Vertanen got a shift over in, in overtime, and mm -hmm. Jake quick, essentially quick, dumped the puck quick. in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was like he realized oh, I'm going to lose the game for us, and he went back to the boards as quickly as he could. So I agree. I, I think we will see Holglander get some shootout opportunities, get some overtime opportunities. But right now, Travis Green is is coaching to win games, and he was coaching to get to a shootout last night because of the guy he had in net. Uh, you touched on – okay, two, two quick things. I thought it was odd that, you know, Jake's brief shift in overtime. Uh, he goes – you've got that speed. You've got that momentum. Why not try to create it where Quinn Hughes lugged the puck, he stopped at the blue line uh, before trying to gain the zone – and it's a, it's almost like that. You're just waiting to drop the puck back again and again and again. And it's like, okay, so now you've basically slowed things up, and you've neutralized Rattan and speed in that, right? Like it was, it was kind of a disjointed overtime for both sides. But 
they got the win. They pull it out in the shootout. Tyler Myers, you're right. I, I, I like the way that Tyler Myers was playing. I've said this a few times now. He doesn't get enough credit. I think it, he he was typically as soon as he landed here, people have kind of ah uh, you know he, he's he's a whipping boy in this market. He's a whipping boy in this town. You know what? That guy is playing north of 22 minutes almost every night. He was 25 minutes last night. You know I, I saw people posting all the gifts of him trying to crouch down uh, on the goal at the Leafs score the other night, and he's in front of the net. I mean, man, that was just a great pass. And people kind of oh how ridiculous is this? Like, what do you expect him to do? Like, some of these things that people kind of sit there and laugh and kick Tyler Myers in the rear end, it's like, have you ever put on skates before? Like, honestly. Yeah, I, I just sometimes sometimes it's just it's just negative to be a prick uh, on social media. And, and I get that. I think we're all guilty of trying to, with the pack mentality sometimes. But, you know, Tyler Myers has been a valuable piece on the back end. Is he perfect? No. Is, does he have his warts? For sure, right? But at the same time, like Tyler Myers has had some value this year. How many other defensemen have offered some physicality on the back end this year for the Vancouver Canucks outside of Tyler Myers? At six foot seven, you notice every move, right? And I think he was taking an awful lot of bad penalties. But Tyler Myers has been that guy who has a risk reward mentality too. When he decides he's going to push, he pushes and he makes sure he puts pressure. He had a lot of hits the other night and keeps on pushing guys and go, okay, I'm going to go in. As long as you cover for me, I will be okay. So here's a defenseman that they paid the money for and people in Winnipeg, we would make phone calls with, and you know, I don't, I don't want him in a top four. If he's your third pairing defenseman, you're okay. Hey, he's earned it right now. Tyler Myers, Travis Hammond, who's now has finally found a groove and Quinn Hughes and Edler. You're okay. We'll find out about the health of Jordy Ben, uh, Jordy Ben. Listen, I, I like how Tyler Myers has played. I like the effort he has shown. I think quietly he's become more of a leader than maybe this organization expected. And you need him to do that with the loss of Chris Tanev. So no full credit to him. And, and you know, Quinn Hughes shaking him off in OT. It's like, no, let me go up there. I can do something. But I, I'm on a Tyler Myers bandwagon in the sense that, yeah, he's going to make mistakes, but you can't discredit his effort. And it goes back to the bubble, coming back, playing injured with a bad shoulder, going, no, I'll be the warrior and get through it. Uh, he's been worth what they've had to pay him and what they need in that back end. Oh, my God, how exhausted did he look with that two-and-a-half-minute shift there in the second? Oh, my God, couldn't get off the ice. <laughs> couldn't get off the ice. Uh, let's there were some let's, survival yeah. shifts, right? Yeah. And they, they survived it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Quinn Hughes had, what, over four minutes of ice time in that overtime. Let's let's hear from Thatcher Demko uh, on his performance last night and, uh, and another Canucks win that's three in a row. Here's Demko. Um, yeah, I mean – it's a huge win tonight. Um, you know, kind of leaving it to the last second there. Um, just trusting the process, playing a solid game, I thought, and, um, you know, getting through overtime and then both scores a nice one in the shootout to lift the group. And, um, you know, it's a huge game for us. So, um, yeah, you know, we just want to keep getting better, keep building. And uh, tonight's a, a great win. So there you go. It's two straight come-from-behind wins. And how about this stat from the National Hockey League? Um, the Canucks benefit from a late-game tying goal in the final minute of regulation to win. And there are three such tallies with late-game tying goals. They are the most among all clubs this year. The Canucks have more late-game tying goals in the final minute of regulation more than any other team in the league this year. Does that not surprise you a little bit, how they've kind of pulled a little bit of MacGyver this year, where this team was like 0-13-1 when trailing after two periods uh, going into Saturday night, and they've now won two straight. Don't 
call it a yeah. comeback. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly it. I, I'm surprised that other teams haven't done that. But, uh, you know, let's go back to Nate Schmidt when this was an, an absolute tire fire. And not that it's, you know, the standings don't show much difference, right? You pick up one point in Montreal. But Schmidt had said, you know, that the excitement of coming to Vancouver was about a hockey team that didn't quit. That's what they saw from the Las Vegas side in the bubble. And, yeah, you've lost some parts, but the mentality of we are not going to stop was missing. And uh, I, I think at least it is back that they have that desire. If they are close, they will get it done to finally win a game after give up that first goal. Uh, they plugged away. They weren't overpowered in any sense. So that belief, and Travis Green talked about it, you win with that. Hopefully that just continues to build the confidence. And here we are, 17 minutes into a show, a team that has won three in a row, uh, a chance to, you know, sweep the Montreal Canadiens, and we haven't mentioned number 40. Like, they are doing it without Petey. Yeah, they missed him on the five-on-three. Mm-hmm. But, man, it's almost like the work rate has gone up because of the loss of, of Elias Pettersson. Well, whatever the case, it works right now. And, hey, look, man, come on. Like, you know, you'd rather have Pettersson in the lineup than not, but they're 3-0. and In fact, they're they're what? They're 6-1-2 and twos going yeah, back to 2018 without, without Elias Pettersson in the lineup. So they've found ways to win consistently at Rogers Arena minus uh, the face that runs the place. I, I ask this question now, though, for for people listening and waking up as as the sun starts to climb into the sky here this morning. Are you starting to believe again? Are you starting to kind of feel it? You know, it's three wins in a row. Yes, there's a lot of teams with games in hand, but just felt like there was a different energy last night uh, on social media where there's, I don't know, man. Dare I say the word hope? You know, it. I, I look. The math. The math says no. The math says no. But what you're seeing with where Thatcher Demko's at right now, a re-energized JT Miller. You know, is there a sense that belief or hope is starting to climb in here with this team? You think about how sour this market was. I'll tell you what. I don't know if it's just a simple, you know, day-to-day, game-to-game sort of mindset. But it does feel like there's a different sort of energy last night. And that's four wins in the last five games. That's three straight. Look, I think it, you know, it's imperative for tomorrow night that you need to get those two points against the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, but now there's three points in the standings. Hey, the Habs still have the five games. But I just wonder, do, do you have a new belief now with this team this morning? I think the fan base is a reflection of the hockey team. I mean, you could watch these guys play a month ago and they're down by two goals. They're finished, right? People would, they'd be down, they'd be up three, one, and people would be looking at some of the odds. Hey, I'd like to take the team that's uh, down by two goals to the Canucks because they're not going to be able to finish it. Uh, They play with more belief. Is there hope among the fan base? Oh, we can see it on the text line this morning. Uh, You know, Brandon saying with this recent winning, my fear is now Jim will stay the course and see, I told you so. No Hoagie and OT is confusing. Brandon, we've discussed that already. Yeah, I think at some point he will earn the trust of Travis Green and, and Hoaglander will be out there. But, you know, James, we discussed it and it was easy to talk about, but tough to go when it's a result-orientated business. This team is not as bad as their record showed. Like, they're not a team that's a 400 hockey team. They should be better. They're winning some games where they were losing them a month ago. Are they a playoff team? I think the question is, you dug such a big hole. I mean, they're going to have to reel off seven. I mean, this can't be – this streak can't end tomorrow. 
And if it doesn't tomorrow, then you've got to rattle off another four or five in a row because that's what you did on the losing side of things. But it's a lot easier to watch them play with a work ethic and a compete ethic that they've had in the last two weeks than what we saw in the first two months. Well, so you're telling me there's a chance. Just a small one. Just Thank small you, Lloyd one. Christmas. I, I will say this, though, Pear. Um, you look at the numbers suggested that if you go back to a week and a half ago, the numbers suggested the Canucks basically had to go like 21 and 10 down the stretch, right? Which effectively says you got to go two or three. Two out of three. Every three games, you got to take two or three. Well, they've just played five and they've taken, they took two or three with the Jets in the first game of the Leafs, right? Mm-hmm. And now they've just played two with Toronto and Montreal. So yep. even if they lost tomorrow, that's technically another two or three. Uh, you'd prefer to see them take care of business tomorrow. By the way, 8 o'clock start tomorrow night. Ugh. Oh. Um, yeah, we're not in Montreal, so it's not an 11 o'clock start. But uh, what do you say we get to some music? 650-650, the Dunbar Lumber text line absolutely flooded with submissions and suggestions and some really good ones, too. Uh, do you want to start the party here? Yeah, I will because uh, you had to change the game plan when I had my orchestra practicing this for an hour and a half, and then all of a sudden Gaudette scores the goal. I'm thinking, well... I guess I've got to take it like this team does when you're scoring in the final minute. I went old school. I dug into the Doobie Brothers. I dug into some Michael McDonald. Minute by minute by We should never grade our own choice in Canucks in the song, but no, that was very well, good by that's me. A, that's that a was fail. very good by me. No, that was very good by me. Come on, the lyrics even say it. Minute by minute, keep holding on. The final minute is when they get this thing tied up. You, 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 so when- you, you, you're patting yourself on the back for picking a song that is soft serve ice cream after a goal in which Godette scores with, what, under a minute to go to tie it. They win in a shootout, and that's like, man, you know? Were you, like, were you in bed like with the lights off as you came up with that or what? I was about to walk down the stairs, and you know what I've been trying to think of since I called that? Either it was Saturday Night Live or something in the last two weeks or a movie where someone made a Michael McDonald reference, and I haven't thought of him for about 10 years. So it all came together minute by minute. What do you got? You thought, you know what? Just because, just because I thought, just because I thought of Michael McDonald, I'm going to share that with everybody else too this morning. Damn right, damn right. <laughs> that's that's called hosting a show. Okay, I'm going with uh, I'm going with a little CanCon. This is one of the more underrated Canadian bands I'd feel like the last 15, 20 years. But I'm going with this one from the Trues. Look, everybody wants you know Jim Benning to sell off Tanner Pearson right now and Brandon Sutter and punt him into outer space or at least try to get a pick for that. You know, sell everybody, right? You sell them, you sell them, you sell them. Well, I'm going with the trues. Not ready to go. That's how you do it, Perry. Little bounce, a little jump, and a shootout win with another, a second consecutive come from behind win. Yeah, turn up the guitar when you don't have the vocalistic skills of Michael McDonald. <laughs> okay, fair enough. fair enough. Here we go. Uh, Jay and Lady Smith on the Dunbar Lumber text line at six fifty six fifty. He's going with a little three days grace. Never too late. Now and again we try to just stay alive. Maybe we'll turn it around because it's not too late. It's never too late. 
Man, I'll tell you what, that got that goal. I mean, it's about time. Uh, but look at the last week, man. You got Jake Vertanen who kind of picked himself up or dug himself out of a grave, essentially, and and comes up with two big ones. There's Gaudette, secondary scoring, support. Man, that's what this team has sorely needed. Adam Gaudette is a guy who could score goals in college, and he talked about making that change to the wing and the adjustment that's needed, but it's not been for a lack of chances for Gaudette. Hey, this team, if you look at it, and we've talked about JT Miller in the middle, and, and you know maybe you even look at P.D. Miller-Horvet in the middle, it means you need some guys who can actually score goals. Is Adam Gaudet a bona fide goal scorer in the NHL? No. But you know what? Sometimes you can just get into a groove, and boy, the, the relief on his face last night, to wire that one by price, maybe. Maybe he gets in a groove. He's better than his numbers have shown. He's got the chances. Uh, that becomes a difference maker if you can get some help from him. Uh, how about this submission? Don't forget to sign your tasks uh, at uh, 650, 650, but a little Lenny Kravitz, it ain't over till it's over. So many tears I've so much pain inside. Baby, it ain't over till it's over. Very good, yeah. You gotta wait till that final buzzer. Adam Gaudette saving the day. And speaking of saving the day, East Fan Tommy's got this one this morning from Her Majesty the Queen. Who's in a lot of hot water these days? Uh, this one, save me. Sin, sin, sin. Man, is Thatcher Demko going to cost as much as Pedersen and Hughes at this rate if he continues this up? Sorry, not a, not in a three-month spell, but at some point he'll be paid. What you if know, he continues this? What if he continues this? Oh, you don't get I mean, Jacob Markstrom. It took a year and a half for them to believe that he was the real deal. Thatcher it took Demko's six years. It took it took six years for Jacob Markstrom. Thatcher Demko, man, I think you go back to that Vegas and it was it you know was it an aberration? Well, it clearly doesn't seem to be because with the last fifteen games now, nine thirty save percentage. Chris and Duncan got a little young blood. Five seconds of summer. Young blood. There you go, Pear. Uh, young blood and getting it done last night. Gaudet, Demko, uh, and they pick up the win in the shootout. Uh, and by the way, Greg Ballack, he found what you were looking for there. That Michael McDonald reference. Here's what you yeah, got. At find. least I think I did. I, okay. Yeah. What was? What am I thinking of, Ballack? What was there? Was the one that comes to mind for me is from 40-year-old virgin Paul Rudd. And if you don't take no. this Michael McDonald DVD that you've been playing for two years straight off, I'm going to kill everyone in the store and put a bullet in my brain. <laughs> so that gives you an no, idea what we all think of your uh, your your Canucks in a song there. Hey, bro. by the way, Jono, who's a school teacher, very good, Perry. I will score you nine out of ten. Thank you, Jono. Jono, don't suck up. Nobody likes. I let, to suck a lot up of people going with Drake, and I had that. I guess we'll play that. That was the obvious one, right? I actually had bad romance uh, in my head from Lady Gaga until Godette changed the way. And I'm glad he changed the way things were going. <laughs> All right, 27 minutes after 6 o'clock on this Tuesday morning. Uh, keep the submissions in at 650-650 on the Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, we'll get to more of your texts in a moment. Plus, uh, hey, it's a reminder that allergy season is just around the corner and why the Canucks need to take notice of what NBA super teams are doing. That's all ahead right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Spring is just around the corner. You can feel it in the air. You can also see the buds on the trees. But it also means 
allergy season is looming, which can lead to awkward, sniffling, sneezing, and embarrassing moments like this from our Sportsnet hockey insider, Elliot Friedman. They want to go back. It was a big deal today. Hold on. <laughs> it's allergy season, I get it. Yes, it is. It's ex- the weather got nice today, so that's exactly what happened. As you know, it's a big deal for the players. They badly want to go, and uh, <laughs> they want to go. And I think as long as we can actually work it out, they're going to go. My wife is dying here. She thinks this is hilarious. Ted, I just had a little uh, a Claritin, so I should be okay. Okay. Reach for Claritin. That's what Friedman does. I can see clearly now the rain is gone. When he finally gets around to it anyway. All I got Kelly world. texting me. He can't stop laughing. Rudy just, this is hilarious. Rudy oh, yeah, Rudy texted me. Who else texted me? He goes, uh, a lot of them, but Rudy goes, poor Elliot. Um, and no, he's, he's laughing. I think he's, you think he thinks this is sad? This is his entertainment for the afternoon. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> There's Sportsnet Hockey Insider Elliot Friedman uh, yesterday. Man, we had to make it an endorsement deal somehow, yes. some way, after he had an allergy attack live on our sister station, Sportsnet 960, the fan, uh, yesterday afternoon talking to Pat Steinberg. Uh, man, uh, you know, when it happens, it happens. Well, it does, and uh, Elliot should really just maybe be the insider when the pollen is in the air. Because it's going to cost you. You got to know Kelly Rudy loved that, considering what happened with Kelly and the butt, button and everything popping off the suit jacket a couple weeks oh, ago. Oh, yes. <laughs> Kelly's just going, thank goodness somebody else did something we could talk about. Thank you, Elliot. Oh, yeah. Allergy season is here. We got to turn our clocks. Uh, what do this we do? Weekend. We spring ahead. Yeah, this weekend we spring ahead, don't we? Man, days are getting longer. I, I mean, look, I mean, the sun's starting to crack open here at six thirty these days. I mean, it felt like it wasn't that long ago we were we were talking that it was, it was what you know it was like almost eight o'clock by uh, by the time that we were seeing the sunrise. But I'll tell you what, man, it feels like the sun's rising for this Canucks team. A lot of people here on the Dunbar Lumber text line pair kind of just kind of saying, man, it's nice to see this team finally have some some puck luck go their way. Kind of just see how the pendulum swung. Now look, is it going to be sustainable? You know, look, they dug themselves one hell of a deep hole, right? Like, they just had absolutely zero puck luck. And, hey, in a lot of it, they kind of created it for themselves too, right? But um, but this team's suddenly finding ways, right? They're, they're, they're winning those come-from-behind opportunities that you saw on display last year that has just been completely missing in action through the first half of the season. But suddenly, you know, it was like they had that extra day off where they were every other night. Every other night, all season long, they had that one extra day, almost two weeks ago now, and they've since reeled off for the last five wins. Like, they swept the Leafs here, like the best team in the North Division, and a team that's barely lost games in regulation. They, they beat them twice, and a team that absolutely throttled them in five games before last night, and then they came from behind to beat the Montreal Canadiens last night. Like, that was a team that erupted with goals. Tyler Toffoli, where was he last mm-hmm. night, right? Like, this, they finally had some luck going their way. You know, they, they avoided um, going down the road of an excuse. But you remember that first trip back after the terrible plays in Toronto and they play well and lose it essentially in 11 seconds. And Travis Green comes back and he says, listen, I, you know, our, our schedule is brutal. Like, there's no way around it. Our schedule has been brutal. We haven't had time to practice And that was the reset. Jim Benning on Friday when he spoke to the media and when he joined Scott Rintoul on his show 
again, kind of referenced it. Like, it's tough if you don't get a chance to practice if you believe in your head coach and he doesn't get to these young guys who go, hey, you've created some bad habits since we got together. Let's fix it. They've done some fixing. Now, there's a lot of work to do. They've passed Calgary in the standings, but there's, there's nothing to say when you look at the games in hand. But they've been in every hockey game they've played, essentially, in the last three weeks. And, you know, someone saying they don't win unless Demko, I have to say no. You know what? They win. Demko's been very good. He's been exceptional. Yeah. But they have played in front of him. And he even said yesterday post game, you know, I was fighting the puck today. I wasn't, you know, he didn't feel as comfortable as he has in the past. Well, when your goalie's winning and your team's winning and they're not going, hey, that was my A game, that was their best, that means there's some success there. And these guys are building off that confidence. We'll see if they can keep it going. It's kind of, as you said, James, two out of three, two out of three. Okay, you got a little bit of house money going into Montreal. See if you can do it again tomorrow. And then the conversation. Enjoy the hockey in March. Don't look at the standings until April. Uh, they'll back at it to tomorrow night uh, against the Montreal Canadiens. So, team, look, they're trying to catch in the standings. Uh, another opportunity, another huge opportunity at that tomorrow night. Uh, 6.38, let's get into today's edition of Seaball Says. You know, I was like to take this opportunity to talk about myself. Seaball Says on Sportsnet 650. Well, Blake Griffin formally signed with the Brooklyn Nets yesterday as the NBA's newest super team has added yet another weapon as the club chases a title with a dramatic swing by adding four all-star players in less than two years. Super teams are, you know, they're, they're fun to love when your team is one of them and probably not so much when your club isn't. I'm, I'm okay with them. It basically says, look, your team offers an enticing enough lifestyle with the city, the market, or for players that are attractive enough for other players to say, hey, I want some of that. I want in too. Now, hockey doesn't quite have the super team system and infrastructure that the NBA has created with the National Hockey League, but contenders often do reel in veterans with a good cap hit when players are searching for a place to win. Look, the Leafs, we saw it with the Leafs over the last year, right? They reeled in Joe Thornton, Wayne Simmons, Zach Bogosian, all for nice cap hits. Zdeno Chara lured to Washington for less than $800,000. Hey, Tampa hoisted a cup with some bargains last year. Look at Pat Maroon. So this is where the Canucks need to ultimately get to, right? Financial relief is just around the corner. Not soon enough for most, but there is close to $30 million of bloated contracts and salaries coming off the books over the next 15 months. This kind of coincides with Jim Benning's two years away from contending comment the other day. Now, some financial commitments will need to be made for Pedersen and Hughes, and let's not forget about you know Thatcher Demko, but let's keep in mind, they're not $10 million a year players, right? At least not yet anyway. But this is where the next year or two is going to be critical. You have two more seasons with Horvat and Miller at a total of less than $11 million annually. You need to take advantage of that. Horvat will be 26 in less than a month. He's not a kid anymore, man. The captain's a vet. The Canucks have been one of the NHL's doormats for the last half decade, but there's some finally, finally some optimism ahead. Kind of took a step back to start the season, but there is some optimism. Hughes should take another step, as will Pedersen and Demko. Besser seems to have found another gear, and with Horvat and Miller playing at the top of their games, you know what? It can be an enticing core in the coming seasons. Look, it may not be a super team, but the financial flexibility is coming. 
And Vancouver needs to find a way to be set up to attract veterans here, to land here with a low financial risk, with a reward to possibly compete for a cup rather than to overpay and attract veterans who want to play in Mudville, which they've done for the last few years. Look, Jim Benning may or may not be the one calling the shots, but the financial flexibility is coming. In the meantime, the team needs to clean up the mess and tidy things up once that window ultimately opens. And that's this morning's Seaball Says. I think that's why Jim Benning referred to this team as two years away. Now the question is whether Jim Benning gets to be that guy, but as much as we've ruined the, oh, oh my goodness, all this money on the bottom six, there's no team in the NHL that looks at, hey, what's going on in the bottom six? Oh my goodness, you're going to get that money back to spend elsewhere? They will be in that unique situation for the bad planning and bad contracts that people thought were handed out three years ago. And yes, they were. They carry so much weight that it does open up that door to opportunity. And James, you go back to, you know, when this team was on the precipice of a Stanley Cup and was always one of the teams that was a contender, 2009, 2010, 2011, 2012. You get a guy like Dan Hamhuse, who's still got a lot of good hockey left. And yeah, there was the BC connection. But you come because you go, hey, this is an exciting team, and I think they're close. Albeit, Brian Burke has told us numerous times, coming to play in Canada is difficult to attract free agents. But this city, and especially the hockey team, if they play the style that they're capable of, I do think it it makes the conversation a lot easier as they move forward. Uh, There's a window coming, right? You know, you had to attract veterans here by overpaying for the last few years. Case in point, Beagle, Roussel, etc., but you know what? There might be a window to go the other way here if they can kind of prove that this is sustainable here with this core. All right, 6.43, Jose Theodore is scheduled to join us just after 7 o'clock. In a moment, Pear, no BS, right? Uh, I'm telling you, can you think about Air Jordans, the first ever shoe oh my God, autograph? You won't believe the price tag and especially how this person got it. We'll give you that story. It won't be BS. It's just PS ahead. 6.43 on a gorgeous Tuesday morning. Sports at 6.50. He always tries to be ahead of the game. Harry was in front. Finding stories that matter. Sort of. We call BS. You want answers. I want the truth. It's not BS. Just PS. With Perry Solkowski. Always a lot of fun stories circulating around in the world of sports. We find you a few of them in the form of a BS or PS. You decide which it is. Finish flash, Timu Solani. Boy, he was magic on the ice, wasn't he? Solani streaking down the right side. Batisa trying to catch it. Solani scores! Boy, he always loved to play. He loved life, and he loves fast cars. Solani, uh, joining our friend Shane O'Brien, who's always on Reach Deep on Wednesdays on his podcast, admitting that at his peak, James... Timo Solani, the car collector, with 43 cars at one time. He said, yeah, maybe that was even too much. He's a speed demon, man. Like, you know, oh. he's, he's got a need for speed. He loves his fast cars. But he also flew with, uh, what are they called, the Blue Demons? Uh, it's like Blue a Angels? Navy fighter. Or the Blue Angels, yes, that's what yeah. it was. Uh, the Blue Angels. Yeah. Like this, this, he, is, he has a needs for the finish flash, right? <laughs> fitting, fitting. He he told a wonderful story how he's got a steakhouse in the in the Newport area and he went there one night and you know had just loves his wine, had some wine so just uh, you know took the cab home went the next night they had another event, 
dropped his car, left his car at valet, went with a different car. He had to go finally on Friday night with his family, with three sons, they all drive. Just so he could go pick up, because he had three cars left during valet nights, because he was going to pick it up. And I go, Mr. Solani, realize you've got three cars? He goes, yes, that's why we're all coming for dinner, and we're all taking a car home each. But one of the greats to ever play the game, as far as natural goal scores was concerned. Hey, this is not a BS. This is PS. A pair of Air Jordans just sold at an auction for over a half million dollars. It's not about the shoes. Oh, no, Mike, it's about the shoes. And the great story, James, is is how these shoes were acquired. So Jordan's a rookie in Chicago. There's a baller in North Carolina in high school. And Dean Smith wants this guy to, you know, a recruit, wants him to come to North Carolina. But this guy's grandma is really his advisor. So Dean Smith says, listen, grandma, we will send you to Chicago, and you'll get to watch a Bulls game, and you'll meet Michael Jordan. The exact thing happens, and there's after the game, Jordan's in a back room. Grandma comes in. They have a great conversation. Jordan says, listen, North Carolina's a wonderful school. Your grandson should go play there. And they finish the conversation. He takes off his shoes, autographs it, and says, hey, by the way, here you go. Grandma passed away a few years ago. Inheritance. You get the shoes and the will. And someone decided it's time to cash in, and they do for a half million dollars. Jordan's shoes go for auction. Wow. <laughs> a pair Isn't of Jordans for a half a million dollars. And you know what? Like last night, how about this? Like, you know, you look at the man, like people with obviously disposable income, like a Josh Allen rookie card. Like how long has Josh oh. Allen been in the in the NFL, right? This one sold for $200,000 yesterday. Yeah, it's not, it, you know what? I know you're into it right now, but at some point we talk about the real estate market and the bubble finally bursting. It's been crazy the last 12 months as far as collectibles are concerned. So there you go. And finally, uh, this is not BS. A little PS for you. You got a track and field star. You got a field hockey star, a wrestler. They all fell short yesterday as India announced their Sportswomen of the Year. This will definitely motivate a lot of young kids in our country to take up the game as the professionals. So th- I thank everyone for the support. Thank you. Thanks a lot. That is Connery Humpy. And you know what's crazy about it? You know what her sport is? She's a world rapid chess champion. In the year of the Queen's Gambit in India, the sportswoman of the year is a chess player who was like in the Queen's Gambit. Apparently she was a a world chess master at the age of 15, took a couple years off, became a mom, and now she's back and she's their sports person of the year. Tell you what, Queen's Gambit. Yeah, listen, it, it became the show everyone watched. People who played chess, I've never played rapid chess, but... India celebrating their sportswoman of the year who does exactly that. No BS, just PS for you. Man, the, the chess community is a is a loyal and dedicated bunch. I remember when I – They're not on Twitter, Toronto. I'm guessing, though. No, but, you know, I remember going back, like, late 90s when I first moved to Toronto. I remember it was a summer night, and I was walking home one night from work. I had a long walk, but I remember walking through one part of town – and there were like four chess tables set up, and it was three o'clock in the morning, right? So all the late West Coast games finally finish up. We put our highlight packs to bed. I'm walking home, man. There were four chess tables out on like in like this little quasi park, and there were some elderly gentlemen. There were some young guys. Like everybody was just battling it out at three o'clock in the morning playing chess. Yeah, that's not me. I think they have them in yeah. front of the art gallery, don't they? I think there's a, there's sometimes the odd uh, the odd showdown. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'd rather grab the yeah. I like I like the outdoor public ping pong tables. 
I could get at the ping pong at that point. I want like are there are there certain chess neighborhoods kind of like you know a, a good three on three court? You know what I, you know when people play basketball like oh, hey where's the, where's the best street court? You know Dolphin Park or you know where oh, would you I, go go down to Kits? Uh, you know where you're going to get there, a good game? Like is there a good chess? Is there a good chess showdown somewhere on the streets of Metro Vancouver? I think there's probably some killer chess retirement homes. What's your thing? I don't even think okay, it's necessarily go retirement homes, man. I don't think it's necessarily the retirement homes. I think it's, oh. I think it's young and old, man. I think you can you can get people showing down. Why, why are you just, why are you just suggesting it's I only don't. old people that play chess? I just I just can't think of, of a bunch of twenty year olds and nineteen year olds sitting down on the Saturday going, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm going after I'm going after your bishop right now. I don't think it's there. I haven't seen it. Maybe it is. Let us know, man. That's what the text line is for. Uh, six minutes to seven o'clock. Jose Theodore is scheduled to join us. Hey, by the way, get your submissions in at seven thirty. We're going to play fair or foul. Give us your take, hot, not, whatever. Let us know. Give us your statement. What you think in the world of sports? We'll let you know if it's fair or foul. Six fifty, six fifty is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Canucks with a third straight win. We'll dive into it more next, right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet six fifty. Let's get it going. It's time to get up. Right wing for Gaudet, top of the circle, steps into a slap shot, he scores! Adam Gaudet hadn't scored in 15 games, but he waited until just the right time. With 40 seconds left in the third period, he ties the game at one. Wow. These guys are here to break it all down. You know, the last few games we've had purpose to how we wanted to play and, and believed in it the whole way, and we get a late goal to win it in a shootout. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. You play to win the game. Hello? This is the starting lineup. Here's James Zabalski and Perry Solkowski. All right, uh, one minute after 7 o'clock here on this Tuesday morning, uh, Canucks uh, 2-1 shootout winners over the Montreal Canadiens to extend their winning streak uh, to uh, three games. Uh, Canucks back at it tomorrow against the Habs again. Uh, much more we'll get to uh, in just a matter of moments. The Dunbar Lumber text line, 650-650. He's Perry Solkowski. I'm James Sabalski. And joining us here this morning, bright and early, as promised, former Montreal Canadiens goaltender, some may remember him more as a former Washington Capitol or a former Florida Panther. I'm just kidding. We He's a Montreal Canadian through and through. Jose Theodore joins us bright and early this morning. How you doing, Jose? Pretty good. Yourself? Excellent, thank you. i, I got to ask you this. How many times do you go to YouTube and watch this over and over and over? Have a listen. Theodore launched that all the way down. Is that going to go in? Jose Theodore has scored a goal! The Montreal Canadiens goaltender, Jose Tandor, has hit the empty net. How many times you play that back? Like, that's a nice goal. Yeah, that was pretty uh, pretty fun. But the thing is, I'm, I'm not a good goalie to play the puck. So I really, that's not something I had in mind to ever score a goal. Uh, I mean, most of the time when I play it, it's more like people, they want to see it. So I'm with friends and I just, we kind of look at it on YouTube, but it's, it was a fun moment. It was uh, uh, it was in 2001, I believe, so a long time ago. But just the fact that a goalie that can't play the puck around the net like me scores a goal, that's pretty, pretty impressive. <laughs> Josie, there are guys who play the game and then kind of live the game, right? They're done playing, but they want to watch every game, and they're, they're, they're analyzing it all. And then there's others who just – all right, that was a great part of my life. That was my job. I will move on. 
Are you one guy who is still kind of keeping track of everything that goes on in the NHL like in a year like this? Uh, not really. Like uh, I'm more, I'm more the kind that uh, you know. I had a good career, 16 years. It was fun. I really made a lot of friends, great experiences. But you know, now it's kind of you. You move on into another part of your life, uh, uh, and that's the way I am. You know, like I'm good friend with. Uh, well, Ed Jovanovski, obviously you guys know know him, but he's the opposite. He watches every game, every highlights. So we play golf. He's like, have you seen that play, that goal, that coach is going to get fired. And I pretty much, I'll watch a little bit of what's going on in Montreal because I, I do radio up in uh, Montreal a couple times a week. And so I'm still involved with, uh, with the Montreal media a little bit. But besides that, I kind of just follow the highlights. I follow what's going on, obviously, but just not with the same passion as a guy like uh, Jovo is going to watch the games. No, and, and Eddie, it's funny because Eddie was totally that guy who I, I, could, I can't even remember how many times he would, you know, talk, he'd talk to him the next day and he would critique what whatever report, a post-game report or a story I had done on television. And, and he, he just watched. He just couldn't get enough. Did you not find that, that because playing in the Montreal market – it just became too much where you almost had to take a step back because, I mean, it's nonstop. And I can only imagine being a French-Canadian goaltender, just the pressure and the scrutiny that you were under, essentially being the guy having to replace Patrick Waugh eventually. The, the pressure was not a big deal because, obviously, listen, I mean, if you can't handle the, the Canadian pressure or playing in Montreal, well, then just go play somewhere else or ask for a trade. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it does get get to a point that you just feel it's like Groundhog Day when you just have to start over again. You could, you know, be one of the best goalies, and then if you have a few bad games, all again you have to explain that you're still, you know, a number one goalie. And it's just you need to do it over and over again, and it's all the same same thing. So at one point it gets to a point you just feel like you want to play hockey, and that's it. You don't want to deal with with all the um, the exterior not pressure, but distractions. You just want to play hockey. But, I mean, again, I, I always say, if I didn't play for a big market like Montreal, I don't think I would have, I would have ever won the, the Vizina or the Heart. I think the, the pressure of the, the fans and the, the media was a big part of the, my success early on, and that's something that I'm always going to you know, recognize. So uh, it, it gets to a point you do, you do want to just – play somewhere else and uh i think it's more focused only on hockey but for me it was a big uh, a big plus to play in montreal jose theodore joining us on the starting lineup so jose with that in mind and you say you do radio in montreal weekly um have you felt for Kerry price so many people have had concern that okay maybe his best days are behind him it seems like and he was so good last night here against the canucks that he's got that perfect mentality, doesn't he, to to block everything out in Montreal? Is that how you view him? Yeah, for sure. I think Kerry is, is a goalie that whenever he's on his game and he, he plays with confidence, I mean, everything looks so easy and just the way he moves. And obviously, he's a, you know he's, he's intimidating for other, goal, uh, other players because they know how good he, he could be. Uh, uh, when he signed his big contract, the pressure does come with it because when you give a guy $10 million a year, you're expecting to be good every night, which we all know it's, it's, it's not the case for any player. 
And uh, Montreal went and signed, uh, well, they got uh, Allen, Jake Allen in uh, uh, this summer just to help Price to have a little bit of breaks here and there. But I think earlier on, that that was kind of the problem. Price wasn't playing enough. He's the kind of goalie that, he, you know, he plays 55, 60 games every year. And then all of a sudden, the season starts, and he's there playing once a week or once, almost once every 10 days at, uh, at one point. So uh, I feel he had to adjust, uh, and now he seems like uh, he's on a roll. And, I mean, the last week he worked really hard with uh, the goalie coach to get his, get his game back. And like, like you guys saw last night, you know, he was 40 seconds away from having a shutout and having a big win. So right now he, he found his game back, and I, I just hope that they're going to ride him because obviously the pressure is on Price, and he, he's the guy that needs to – to win for the team, and he's the guy that's going to give you a chance to win the cup. So you need to to try to ride him when he's hot and you know get him going, and that's what uh, Montreal has been doing right now. Uh, Jose, I mean, it's I mean the one advantage like you look at Carey Price, and you kind of mentioned like he's got an intimidating presence. Like goalies are huge now. Like I think you were under six feet tall, I think, and it's like it's not like you weren't you were playing not that long ago, and you know to win a hard trophy and to do what you did, but. The size of goaltenders now, I, I, you know, and you look at the time there when, when you were playing, I, I think it was Marty uh, Marty Brodeur who famously had said suggested that I think it was uh, Garth Snow who looked like uh, Golderak, uh, and I think you'll appreciate yeah. that reference. But, you, you know, would you, like, you look at today's game now, do you think you would still have the success based on the size of goaltenders these days out there? Yes, that, that, that's a good question. I think nowadays... Uh... Goalies are 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 huge, like you say, six two, six three, and most of them are really good technically as well and quick. I remember when I got into the league, like you, you mentioned, I, I am five eleven, so I'm under six feet. But when you, whenever you saw a big goalie, like a six foot two or three, usually he was a big goalie, but he was slow and couldn't really couldn't move, move that quick. Roman Czechmanic, yeah. Yeah, but nowadays, like, goalies are big and they're so quick. So, obviously, uh, you know, it would be hard for a smaller goalie to 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 play ahead of a big guy. I don't think a small goalie can have success because you, you look around the league, a guy like Halak, he's been uh, he's still playing pretty good. And uh, in Dallas, we saw Kudobin, he's pretty much 5'11", 6 feet. But the thing is, I don't think a small goalie could could be a number one for 60 games and play ahead of a guy that's like six two six three. I mean, you still could do it. I mean, at the end of the day, the only thing is to stop stop the puck and you know win games. But I think the bigger goalies have the edge, and I don't think scouts nowadays even look at a goalie under six feet to to draft them. So it's obviously way harder for a small goalie to you know have success in the league with the the, the new mentality now. It is still difficult to just jump into this league and be a success. And you had the progression before you you took over the reins in Montreal. You, you said Carey Price really a minute away from a shutout. But here, you know, for the second time this year, Thatcher Demko is in the top three stars of the NHL for Players of the Week. There had been so much talk about goalie conversation here, Jose. Do you keep Jacob Markstrom at money or do you give it to Thatcher Demko and have a Braden Holpe back up there? Do you feel from what you see that Thatcher Demko is indeed ready to run and get on a great run as an NHL career, that he has paid his time and now is is his moment to officially be a number one goalie in this league? 
Well, for sure, I think it's his, his moment to, to give him a chance to be number one goalie because if you look at the situation in Vancouver, like you mentioned, uh, they had a great, great goalie and a really good guy in the dressing room with uh, Markstrom. I played with Markstrom in, in Florida when he was, you know, up and down uh, with, with, with the team. So, so I know what kind of a guy he is. And he's the kind of guy that in the room everybody, everybody likes. He's a big president. And, you know, when I saw that Vancouver let him go, I kind of asked myself, I said, why would you let a guy go that already proven that he could do the job? You don't need to hope or you don't need to, to say if, if, if. You know that he's going to play good, he's well-respected. And then you go and sign a, a guy like Olby for, you know, pr- pretty big money. I, I think it's, what, 4.5 that uh, yeah. that Olby is signed. Obviously, they signed him to to help Demko and just the transition and have a veteran guy, and hopefully he still has some good year into him. But the way Demko played in the playoff last year, I think that was a big turning point because whenever a guy could play well under pressure, in the playoff when, when, when it counts, obviously that's a good indication that he's ready to step up and be your guy. Uh, and the way he played the last, uh, the last couple of games, he's been really uh, on the tear. And I think looking at, at the way he plays now, confidence, he got his rhythm back. I would definitely push him to be number one. You look at good number one goalies like Carter Hart and Philly, they gave him the number one job when he was 20 years old, 21 years old. Carey Price in Montreal, same thing. So I feel Demko now, he, he paid his dues. The way he's playing, he's really he's been the best goalie in Vancouver. And I think if Vancouver wants to have a chance to be in the playoff, you're going to need to have a Demko playing like he did last game, yes, last night. Uh, and they have a good team. So obviously, he could make... Uh, March the you know the departure of Markstrom way easier if he keeps playing the way the way he is. What's that like from uh, uh, when you've been the guy, when when you've kind of been the guy in the spotlight, the number one goalie, and then you have to transition to kind of be I, I guess the veteran mentor, the backup, if you will. You know, you look at what Braden Holtby's kind of dealing with, where it's this is Thatcher Demko's now net for the foreseeable future. But and, and everything you've ever heard about, you know, Braden Holtby is a great team guy. But internally, when you're that, when you've been that guy, and all of a sudden you kind of have to watch from the sidelines, how hard is that, Jose, mentally? Well, it, it's it's hard. It's never it's never fun, and I think you never truly accept that role, especially when you played you played as a number one goalie. I mean, if you start in the league and you're a clear-cut number two, then it's okay. You're just happy to be in the league. But when you were number one for for many years, you never accept that. But usually, if you look around the league, every number one goalie, good number one that became number two, it's a slow transition. It's never something like you go, you have a great year, you're, you're a visiting candidate, and then the next year you're sitting on the bench. Usually you'll go from playing 55, 60 games following year all of a sudden what you're playing a little bit less and then there's a guy coming into the league and he's kind of pushing you and then you're playing a little bit and all of a sudden you just realize that you know you're pretty much being on the bench most of the night so it's kind of a slow transition but I don't think any goalies really accepted that Uh, I know for myself when I had one or two years that I wasn't playing as much 
I always tried to make a point and, you know, bounce back and prove that I still was a number one goalie. And that mentality kind of helped me out because I, I think, you know, out of my 16 years, maybe the last like 12 years, I had one or two years that I didn't play more than the other goalies. So usually I always end up playing more. So that's the, the set of mind that you're in is always to get back that to that number one spot. And, and, you know, you always think that you still could play at the same level you did when you're younger, which we all know it's not the case. And very rarely do you retire and you think you're ready to, to retire. You always think you still have one more year to go one more year, but at the end, to answer your question, usually a number one goalie that goes into transition, it's a, it's a progress. It's a slow transition. And Hobie was the same way. You look in Washington the year they won the Cup, he wasn't even the starter goalie for the first two games of the That's playoff. Right. Yeah. So that means yeah. he was already in that, in that role of being a number two a uh, couple of years ago. So it's really a transition usually. And this year, I think he's going to end up uh, being more of a mentor to Demko than being a number one guy in Vancouver, which I respect will be he's a great goalie. Jose Theodore, former Hart Trophy winner, joining us. Jose, does a goalie like that, do you change your game? I mean, we've, we've talked a lot about Braden Holpe and, you know, Ian Clark's the goalie coach out here. Would you change your game? Did you think you've changed your game um, or just tweaked it in, say, the last four or five years of your career? I think you have to. I think, yeah, when you reach that point, I, for me, it was about when I was like 33, maybe, 32. That's the point that obviously you realize that uh, maybe your reflexes are not as quick or your, even your, your, your speed around the cr- crease is not as fast as, as it was when you were younger. So you need to adapt. Uh, you need to uh, rely on your experience. And, uh, you know, you, ch- you change the way you play. It's more about reading players' anticipation when you get older. And I think uh, for me, I really I adjust, uh, I adjust my game. And th- that's one of the reasons I was able to play till uh, 37 36 37 is that I didn't play the same the same busy game that I played when I was more uh when I was quicker faster I played more of a relaxed maybe I played a little deeper in my in my crease so I didn't have to move as much so uh I think when you reach that point you need to adjust and even a guy like Price you look at Price uh he, he's not the, he's not playing the same way he did when he was 24 25 he plays a game that's uh, he doesn't play the puck as much behind the nets. He's more he's more staying in control, just more back in his net, controlling his rebound. So I think um, most of the goalies, when you get towards you know over thirty, you you have to adjust your game because it's just you're just not the same uh, you're just not the same you were when you were uh, you know in your early twenties. Uh, Jose, I appreciate this. Um, before we let you go, I want to bring in Greg Ballack, who's on the other side of the glass here on our show. And, and Greg likes to think he's like the ultimate know-it-all when it comes to goalies having because he played goalie as a minor in minor hockey, so that means he's a true authority. But but Greg had a question for you that I think you may or may not appreciate here. Greg, what, what do you got here? Well, Greg? after that brilliant setup, thanks, <laughs> thanks, James. Uh, <laughs> Uh, we we have Mike McKenna on here at the station pretty often. He was another right hand catching NHL goalies, and I know it's a pretty small community of guys. Um, so I want to ask you: it's kind of a two parter question. Are you sad by the lack of right handed catching goalies in the NHL right now? And do you feel like you had a bit of an advantage over other goalies because shooters weren't used to seeing the glove on your right hand side? 
Well, uh, you're right. It's a small community, and that, that's one of the reasons growing up I, I wasn't a, a Montreal fan. I was an uh, Edmonton Oilers fan because of Grand Pure was catching oh. like I was when I was a kid. So, so uh, yeah, growing up, I was really an Oilers fan and Grand Pure because he was catching like, like me, and he was, you know, one of the few goalies. So, honestly, it's, uh, there's not too many goalies, which I'm not sad about because I, I still think, you know, that was always something that I would, you know, it kind of sets you aside and it's kind of a different than the, the other guys. And to answer your question also, it does make a difference because I would get a lot of guys. I remember Ovechkin. I remember Joe Sakic. They would come, if I would make a save or let's say they would shoot and it would hit hit my knob of the, uh, knob of the stick, they would come and say, oh, I forgot you catch on the other, the other hand. Usually that's a goal, this and that. So, so it would kind of mess them up, and a lot of guys would always do the same moves where on breakaways they like to go, let's say, backhand on the goalie's glove side, and they kind of knew, and they they really didn't like playing against or practicing against a guy that catches uh, right because during a game it would mess them up. Like if they like to always do the same thing, you like the, to, to look at a goalie and it's going to reflect what you have to face in a game. And for me, because I was the other way, it kind of threw, it, threw them off, and they didn't like that. So I think, in a way, it was a little of an advantage for the, the goalies that catches right in that aspect. Jose, before we let you go, how would you do in the member guest? Did you beat Eddie? I, we did. We did beat Eddie. We actually won our flight. We qualified for the, the shootouts, which we lost in um, we lost in double overtime in a chip-off contest because <laughs> We both had pars, so we had a chip off. So for one, one time, I, I was able to beat Eddie. But usually, me and Eddie, we're always partners, and we get all the guys, all the all the other retired hockey players. They think they could bet against us. We always end up making money. So me and Eddie, we're a pretty solid team uh, when it comes down to golf. So I send a challenge: anybody that wants to play me and Eddie. Just bring your wallet, and we're good to go. <laughs> hey, Jose, thanks for this, man. Uh, really nice to catch up with you. Uh, great perspective, and uh, I'll tell you, it's, it's incredible to think that you gave us probably one of the most iconic images in hockey in the last 50 years with the toque on, uh, on the helmet all those years ago in the outdoor game. Uh, glad to hear things are going so well for you, and uh, hopefully we can do it again sometime down the road. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate that. That was fun. Thanks, Jose. Uh, Jose Theodore. Former Montreal Canadiens goaltender uh, weighing in with perspective on uh, Thatcher Demko. Uh, Braden Holtby, the adjustment uh, that he's making as a backup now and uh, just life on uh, around the National Hockey League these days. And he's kind of seen it all. Uh, joining us this morning here on Sportsnet 650. 22 minutes after 7 o'clock, we bring in Salty Sonia Aslam from News 1130 down the hall. Um, we tried to get you in earlier, but the line was busy. Oh, uh, so <laughs> <funny>. <laughs> have you been hanging on to that all day? That's great. Yeah, well, since well, yesterday. Yeah. Since, yesterday. Oh, okay. since the group chat yesterday, I can confirm. Oh, yeah, okay, great. I, I, <laughs> will it be any better today? 1.7 million people dialed in yesterday. Yeah, and they're that's not crazy. supposed to, so that's awesome. Uh, yeah, there's only about ten, a few ten thousand, several tens of thousands of people who are eligible to uh, sign up for the COVID nineteen vaccine as of this week. But and yeah, you're right. By ten a.m. yesterday, in a three hour span, one point seven million people crashed the phone lines. 
And, you know, Adrian Dix, who's the health minister, was quite blunt in saying, if it's not your turn, wait. You know, I know everyone's really eager to jump on the line, but you're not going to get your appointment. If you're not valid, don't. And what we were also hearing from those within the ministry, and this may or may not shock our audience, is they were getting a lot of calls of people being like, um, I have the sniffles. Should I get the shot now? And you're like, why are you calling? <laughs> go call 811. Go call your doctor. Um, so, yeah. And I think this morning it's worse. It's still busy. Nothing's changed. The lines have been open for 25 minutes. But, you know, like, honestly, I, I would say at some point, the gov- like, the government and the province can own this, right? Like, when it comes to trying to book things, how they've approached it, whether it was the BC Parks camp system that they had set up that totally was a fail last year, and what they're trying... Like, you know, you you see all the advertising and the commercials. You know what? Do a better job of raising so awareness on this. So what's your suggestion to well, fix it? Well, you know what? Then. Here's the other... Like, for a lot of people, booking online wasn't an option. Right. And don't tell me that it's that every senior is only sitting there picking up a phone because there's obviously a lot of a lot of sons, a lot of daughters, a lot of aunts and uncles, whatever it may be, relatives that are advocating for their, you know, for their loved one, trying to get them that appointment that are picking up the phone. And there's got to be a way there's got to be a system. You knew this was coming. You know what? Send something in the mail with a number that you can, you know, here's your barcode. Here's your access code. Book your appointment and off you go. Right. As opposed to creating this old school system that, you know, it, like this isn't 1992. Again. Hey, pick up the phone and call five, 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 one, two, three, four. Like, come on, guys. Like, there's got to be a better way to do this in 2021. Yeah, and I, I think the barcode thing, I think the concern with that is, you know, what if it gets lost in the mail or somebody takes your code and what if there's theft and this and that. I think there's too many, you know, issues with that. I think with any system right now, there's a concern. And I think what they did is this is the quickest way to make sure everyone has access. Give us a call. And I think what people need to keep in mind is you will get through. You will get your shot. You have five days to book your appointment. It's not like the day you book it is the day you get it. No one who signed up this week, you have five days to sign up and get your shot. You don't get it till next week. And then that's when Mm -hmm. the next age group opens. So I don't hate the system. Obviously, I agree. It is not ideal. We've seen nothing but issues. There's only one health authority out of the main five that has online booking. They booked almost 9,000 appointments yesterday just online. So that's great. So those who do have access to the internet and can do it, great. But there is also a phone option. Um, and you just hope though Friday you do get through because sure. there'll be a whole bunch of people that have spent all week and if they can't get through Friday, the wave next Monday, they just go, well, when am I actually going to get through? Well, so. no, because then you go to your doctor and you know, you can go to a clinic. Like there's, it's not like no one's ever going to get, it's not like this is the only five days. Otherwise no one's going to get a shot. This is day one. So this is the first time we've done mass vaccination. This is a first for everyone in this province because what the hell has been going on? So it, it, let's just take it but day by day. Everyone will get their vaccine. Everyone who needs it will get it. It's just going to, there, there will be bumps in the road for sure. All right. Why, why am I being positive? That's you. That's well, you guys. Somebody, somebody texting in. Somebody's, te- exactly. somebody's, somebody's texting in saying, make something positive, please, Sonia. So there you that go. That is something it's positive. And you know what? Very it, positive. Well yeah. done. Yeah, I think we will all get our shots, those who need it. And if case numbers stay low, uh, Dr. Bonnie Henry is saying that things may loosen up in the next uh, couple yeah. months, too. So yeah. Normally, you're just threatening to give us a shot in the head as opposed to... That uh, doesn't sound like me. Yeah, that doesn't whatever. sound like me. Sweet Sonia today. I liked it. Oh, Sweet Sonia, not yeah. Sonia. There you go. New nickname. Let's, yes, I like it. Um, thank you. Nice to catch up. Thanks, Get back boys. to work. See ya.
Uh, Sonia Yazel, News 1130, weighing in uh, on the uh, all the calls. 1.7 million calls yesterday. Uh, 27 minutes after 7 o'clock. Uh, we're playing fair or foul. Uh, Canucks with a huge win. Your Canucks commute coming up at 8 o'clock. Uh, lots to get to as well. Uh, fair or foul. 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, come play along. We'll dive in next right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. I feel Vancouver's ready to break out. Yeah, nobody wants to hear it, but I, you know, they've got two in Winnipeg come uh, Monday, Tuesday. The Vancouver Canucks split their two-game set with the Winnipeg Jets. They've got the Leafs. And the Vancouver Canucks have just rattled off back-to-back victories against the top team in the North Division. And then they've got the Canadians. Bo Horvat, the captain, scores the winner in the shootout. And the Canucks beat the Canadians 2-1 tonight in Vancouver. I would give it six games. Now more of the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. It's not Ron McLean anymore. It's Ron Stradamus, right? 11 days ago, Ron making that bold statement here on Sportsnet 650. He joins us every Friday at 7 a.m. here on the starting lineup. And Ron, back on February 26th, dropped that sort of insight And there were a lot of Canucks fans that were kind of, huh? And the gifts and the memes and just the hating going, eh, 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 eh. Well, it's five games. Small sample size, I guess, in the grand scheme of things. But of those six games that Ron said, Canucks are now 4-1 and with that sixth game coming up tomorrow night against the Montreal Canadiens after another 2-1 shootout victory last night. This Friday, he joins us. He'll give us the Lotto Max numbers. So, uh, <laughs> look forward to that. Hey, uh, I think you and I both, like a lot of people on social media, is just, Ron, where are you seeing this? And, you know, Travis Green talked about it yesterday after the game. It's when these guys were down a goal or two, um, I'm not going to say mentally they checked out, but they got away from it all, and they were going to win the game by an individual making a play. And Nate Schmidt talked about it. It's not, uh, I've got to make something happen now to, to, to get us back in the game. It's, we have to make something happen to get back in the game. You know, who had Adam Gaudet to finally get a goal, or Adam, um, to get, get the goal and tie it up in the final minute. But there he is after all these opportunities. So it just seemed, mentally, they were as weak as possible a month ago, maybe two weeks ago when Ron said that. And now, even when they went down one yesterday, it's like, okay, well, they're not, you know, they're not getting away from the game plan. They're getting some timely saves. And, you know, they've got a goal post, Horlock with the the uh, the tip and hits the post. You're thinking that would have tied it up. But full credit to them. And now I'm not going to say house money because March is enjoy the games. Don't look at the standings. But, you know, get one tomorrow night and slowly but surely maybe they creep back into this thing. Uh, 735, uh, he's Perry Solkowski. I'm James Sabalski. This is the uh, starting lineup here on uh, Sportsnet 650 on the AM dial. You can also catch us on HD3 at 96.9. And shout out to all of you listening on the Sportsnet app as well. The Dunbar Lumber text line is 650-650. Come play fair or foul with us. You got a hot take. You got a strong take. You got an opinion, whatever's going through your mind. Some people just frustrated with all the phone calls and the vaccinations. Uh, Hey, we want to hear it. We'll share it as we play fair or foul. Fair or foul, Thatcher Demko just might cost the same amount as Petey and Hughes this summer. No, no, that's foul, buddy. Come on. You're you're guys who've had three seasons and you're going off, uh, what, six weeks? You you can't go there. Thatcher Demko's going to get a raise, and Thatcher Demko will get himself a big ticket about three or four years from now. But, no, he's... He's not in that conversation yet, nor should he be. 
but he knows he's going to finally get paid a little more than he is, and he deserves to be paid like a number one goalie who's coming through, not a number one goalie like Jacob Markstrom is. Hey, man, I've got 10 years in this league. I've proven my bet. That's absolutely foul. I'm, I'm going foul as well on that one, James. I'm sorry, but, uh, you know, hope he's a, a Stanley Cup winner, a Vesna winner, and he's only making $4.3 million per year. So I think Demko's got a little more to prove. I know guys are trying to get paid younger these days. I think he's got a little more to prove. Well, and, and that's the other thing. You lock him in now for a longer term where, look, I mean, last 15 games, 930 save percentage. You know, small sample size with the bubble last year, but – he, it didn't take him six years to emerge to this point like we saw with Jacob Markstrom when they finally acquired him and took, what, 12 years to finally emerge as an all-star. What do you got, Pear? Fair or foul, he was the most exciting player when this team wasn't winning games. I want to see Hoaglander jump over the boards when it's three-on-three three overtime. He could be your best OT player, and Travis Green won't give him a shot. That's fair. You know what? A, lot, a couple other people texting in on the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650 saying, how come Adam Goddad, who tied the game with 40 seconds to go, didn't even get any love in overtime? Sutter and Pearson out there? I mean, it just seemed like Green was going, can we get this thing to a shootout? I like my chances. I know he has issues with Hoaglander, but three on three, you've got one man to watch. Put the kid out there, see what he can do. I'm going foul, Perry, because did they lose? No. Then who cares? I, I don't know if the Habs were. Ne- I don't know. I don't know if the Habs were necessarily trying to go for it in the uh, overtime. It looked like they were trying to play for the shootout as well. To be honest, what do you got, Greg? Well, fair foul, you guys. It's extremely sad that I could only find, as far as I know, one North American professional sports franchise that employs a woman as a PA announcer, and that is the San Francisco Giants of MLB. They've actually had two different women announcers, Sherry Davis, originally at Candlestick, and then when they moved to their new stadium, it's Ronell Brooks-Moon. We saw Caroline Frolick doing it yesterday for the Canadians, or sorry, for the Canucks. I thought she did a pretty good job. She was great, man. Nice They're to great. see Frolic. Do you, do you have do you have a little sampling of that, by the way, Greg? Do you have, do you have a little? Uh, a, a Not little handy, drop? but I can grab it. For, handy. Okay, uh, yeah, for a little no. Bit, yeah. I thought Carolyn was great. And look, yesterday was International Women's Day, and you know, I, I did see some women kind of suggest that, hey, look, you know, let's let's hope that you know these opportunities were all of a sudden. You know, everybody's kind of on display. All the, you know, women are on display. Like, let's let's not make it tokenism. Like, let's legitimately go forward. Now, but it is surprising that in pro sports you don't see more women in public address. Like, you know, now I'm not advocating that Al Murdoch be kicked uh, kicked to the curb all of a sudden. Of course but, not. But I, I do think that there is room going forward, and it's just been such a traditional thing over the last what probably 100 years or 50 60 years to have that male voice but i think teams are starting to look outside the box more and more and and i just think that you know the 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 mindset is changing more and more and it's great to see as a guy who's got four girls and trying to help raise four girls in the house man like it's great to see more inspirational stories and just you know dare to dream to say hey that could be me at some point uh, Jake and Port Moody with the fair foul. Uh, Quinn Hughes was an ice hog in overtime. Oh, man, Jake. That is fair. <laughs> fair. Come on. Fair. Tyler Myers is doing squats on the bench. I'm up. I'm down. I'm up. I'm down. Like, when are you coming off the ice? And, and I was just thinking, man, you're pushing three minutes. You're going to get you're gonna get turnstile because you got no gas left. That is so fair on my point. 
Yeah, that, that's uh, <laughs> that's when you play over four minutes in overtime out of five minutes. Yeah, that that's fair. Uh, how about Jay on the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650? Fair foul, as we've seen Bubble Demko turn into regular Demko, and we miss Marky less and less. If Hamannick continues to play the way he's been the last few games, nobody is going to miss Chris Tanev. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Need to Travis Hamannick to play more than 16, 17 minutes a night, but... But uh, you know what? It looks like he's healthy, and he's starting to kind of find some comfort zone. Hey, look, Travis Hamannick was a guy who was playing 23 minutes a night for the Calgary Flames. Like, he's a hard nose, plays hard. You know, he's kind of simplified his game, and he's starting to get adjusted with the Vancouver Canucks. I like what I'm seeing lately. What if I told you at the beginning of the season that the Canucks really wouldn't miss Markstrom all that much, and they really wouldn't miss Tanev all that much, but they're still having a pretty awful season? <laughs> yeah. Well, the, yeah. Yeah. And Brock Besser was like a pointing, and Brock Besser kind of found his form <laughs> yes. again, right? And you, you, you would have all predicted that, right? Totally. Well, or, or the Canucks play their best hockey when Pedersen's out of the lineup, right? Mm, <laughs> and you know, that's exactly what's going on, right? Hey, guys, how about this one? Fair or foul? Ron Francis wakes up every morning and says, has Travis Green signed a contract extension yet? He's got to be the number one guy for the Kraken. How would that be for a rivalry? Are you thinking that more just geographically? Like, there's seven coaches right now in the NHL that are in the final year of their, their contract. Mm-hmm. But I, I think Travis Green will certainly have another opportunity. If Travis Green is done this year with the Canucks, I think Travis Green will have another opportunity in the National Hockey League somewhere. And I think he would, pro- he would have a, he would You know, I, I don't think it would be a terrible choice, but I'll tell you what. I think the, the Seattle Kraken will have a lot of options. So I'm going to say foul on that. We got a fair foul in the inbox. Fair foul. We don't need PD. It's unsigned, but I'm pretty sure I recognize the number. It Put your name from, on it. It, it comes you from coward. JT Miller. I'm pretty sure that's JT Miller texting you. My real that's fa- simple. We don't need PD. That's what it said. That's the only thing it said. I, I think it was a joke. I'm, I'm guessing. No, but you know what though? Uh, I would say this. Uh, the foul part would be automatically putting that lotto line back together mm-hmm. without seeing maybe what else you could do. Right? Like, I don't automatically want to see Petey there. Miller's off to the wing, and we go back to how it was. I think this has been an interesting week of line juggling for Travis Green, and I think this helped a little bit for this team to go, all right, we had to get out of what we were doing. It was, you know, Travis would say, definition of insanity. Same old thing, thinking you're going to get different results. You're getting better results now because you have to force a change. Fair foul. The Minnesota Wild are for real? A 2-0 shutout of the Golden Knights last night. Dean Evason has the team rolling. Capo Kakinen with his first career shutout. And by the way, you guys, I may have been quoted in an article last year in the province by Patrick Johnston saying the Wild should have started Kakinen in their play-in series against the Canucks. But, hey, who's looking back at stuff like that? (laughs) I hate to say I told you so, but... Yeah. You want to give us the date of that article? I may have been (laughs) quoted. It was the third paragraph. Uh, Hey, that's fair, man. That's a good hockey team. Like, you know, you look at the Canucks disposing them in the bubble. I would take the Wild right now. Bill Guerin has done a wonderful job. Uh, they're they're identical games. to the Avalanche right now. They have one more goals for than the Avs and two more goals against. So they're they're pretty close to the Colorado Avalanche, which is, wow, that's surprising. 650-650, the Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, let me throw this at you. The Ottawa Senators will finish with 20 wins. Fair. If they keep rolling That's like fair. the way they've been no, doing, they'll get there. I'm going. I'm going fair. Yeah, for sure. I, I think. Like, look where they are. They've They're got nine, nine wins. They've got nine wins basically at the midway point of the season, and they've kind. Of, they're they're finally getting some stops. Right. It took a month, but I like the way they're playing right now. Uh, 
fair or foul uh, partnership promo. It's not Bubble Demko. It's Buble Demko. Michael from Burnaby. <laughs> foul. It's foul. Buble. Michael Buble's got enough exposure with that uh, with the with the with the drink. Fair or foul, you guys. Yep. Coffee sales are about to spike in the Montreal area. Tomorrow's game, 8 p.m. local time. Oh, That's man. 11 oh. o'clock in Montreal. Uh, Only the diehards won't be missing that one in Montreal. That's a foul with that start. Ugh. No, I, I I think that's a foul. I mean, even, even for us staying up that late, uh, we've got that. Uh, a lot of fair fouls coming in. Fair foul watching Weber trying up, tying up Hoagie was uh, like a parent trying to catch the three-year-old at the Ikea ballroom. Gosh, will we ever have an Ikea ballroom again post-pandemic? Go in there, kids. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're going to have to you're gonna have to basically swim in sanitizer first, and then you can go into the ballroom. Uh, here's my last one this morning. Uh, Dak Prescott isn't a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. That's foul. He's top 10, pal, but I wouldn't have paid him the money they did. I would. Dak Prescott will make decisions that will keep – the Cowboys from winning a Super Bowl. He's top ten. That's that's foul. I got Mahomes. I, I got Rodgers. I got Russ, Lamar, uh, Allen, Deshaun, Brady, Herbert, Kyler. No, Herbert. I say fair. I say fair because you have the the added mystery of coming back from an injury from a busted leg. Yeah, he, and he got know. like he got a raise. Yes, like he turned to think about the money he turned down last year, and he still got a raise with a dislocated and broken ankle. Well done, Dak. But he's not a top 10 quarterback. He was statistically number one in about four or five categories before he got hurt. But I would have, hey, he won that deal. I'm glad he got the money because I thought he got screwed last year. And so, you know, if Jerry would have paid a market value a couple years ago, he wouldn't have to pay him the money he did. What is he making, $76 million next year, all in? Makes more money than anybody else. Yeah, 126 of that guaranteed money of the 160 that he signed. All right, 746, uh, fair foul, 650, 650. You can text in on the Dunbar Lumber text line. Lots to get to. Your Canucks commute coming up at the top of the clock as the Canucks make it three straight wins. Do you believe? We'll talk to Dan Murphy and much, much more. All still ahead here on your home of the Canucks Sports at 650. You gotta hold on to what we this is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Here's your Canucks in a song. Oh, there you go. Uh, the submissions ringer in North Van with this submission. With Bon Jovi's living on a prayer. Suddenly, three straight wins. There's a little optimism in what can sometimes be a little toxic fan base out here, Pear. You think? Three straight wins. You think? Two of three, two of three. That's what they will do even if they lose tomorrow. But, yeah, for... You know, Canucks in the song, it's been a positive spin for everybody, and why not? Played a good hockey game, lacked urgency when they had the two-man advantage, got a big save on a Quinn Hughes miscue, and then, of all people, hey, you think about it, you get Jake Vertanen a couple nights ago, Gaudette last night, that's what you need uh, to get it done. Uh, you know, I want to address one thing, too. Someone texting in, and go back to, you know, we're talking about Ron McLean and what he said. 
Kevin BX has said to him, Zach McEwen should be in this lineup every night. I like Zach McEwen, but boy, they're they're faster on that fourth line when Zach McEwen's not in the lineup, and you don't need muscle every night in this North Division. Well, I, I just don't think he's evolved into the player that people hoped he would be, right? And I, and I would think the or, even the organization, I think they were hoping that he could be an everyday regular for this team this season, and they've clearly found better options, right? I mean, if, if, if Zach... If Zach McEwen was the best option for the Vancouver Canucks, then he would be in the lineup. I mean, it's as simple as that, right? Uh, I think the last time we saw him was pretty much what? The Forbert fight, uh, you know, which was a little over a week ago against the Winnipeg Jets. But outside of that, we just haven't seen Zach McEwen. He's struggled. You know what? I would say this. He has struggled to be effective, and he has not really offered much in the way of offense. Um there's clearly something that's just not there that the Canucks coaching staff see as a viable option to use him regularly. It's as simple as that. He's a big body. I think there was a lot, you know, I think obviously management was high on him because they were pumping his tires, what, a little over a year ago saying, yeah, we think he's going to be an everyday guy. Well, not the case. Well, and I just think, you know, it doesn't matter how this league plays, what the system is, if you can skate, uh, you can help. And I think but that's that on Zach, Pear. Faster, but, right? but, but that's, no, but that's, I know. It's yeah, just that's a, on Zach. Hey, yeah. yeah, it's on him. So you replace him with some guys who can scoot around a little bit, and it just looks like they're more effective. You're not changing the lineup when you're winning, and Zach McEwen will get back in at some point. But for the person who thinks he should be there, and Kevin Bieck saying every day, not the case. Uh, 650, 650, the Dunbar Lumber text line. A couple of more submissions on your Canucks and a song. Uh, what song best sums up the Canucks' performance last night? Katie decided to go with a Bewitched classic, Never Giving Up. Katie, I mean, my, that might, Katie's that might my be... wife, by the way, and I think yeah. it's her goal in life to just embarrass me as much as possible and get me to play a song like that. Well, it could've, she could have gone with a Mike McDonald classic there, Balak. So. Oh, better than that. that yeah, come better on. than that. <laughs> oh, no, man, I nailed it with minute by minute. When there's a minute left, I nailed it with my Canucks in a song. Guaranteed. Never felt so good. I go from bad romance, Lady Gaga, to minute by minute. And let's be honest, never giving up, most of this fan base thought they were done. And I was of the same mindset going, James, they played well, just not good enough tonight. But finally, I would rather listen to Fran Drescher for eight hours than have to listen to Michael McDonald. Nothing against him, but if I hear Yamo be there one more time, I'm going to Yamo burn this place to the ground. <laughs> uh, you know what? This person didn't. Uh, this person didn't put their name on the text. But man, oh man, this one's great. That the Canucks, uh, their their song, their their theme song for the rest of the season should be "Dug in the Slugs, Day by Day." You know this one was with love. To General Manager Jim Benning after his media address on Friday. Hey, your Canucks commute is just around the corner. We'll get into it with Dan Murphy next, right here on your home of the Canucks. That's three in a row, people, and three is the magic number here on Sportsnet 650. They're not coffee drinkers. But they still keep it right in the mornings. Right wing for Goddard, top of the circle, steps into a slap shot, he scores! And 
them Gaudette hadn't scored in 15 games, but he waited until just the right time. I really liked how my game was coming along uh, since I've been back in the lineup, and I think I've really, you know, personally taken a step, and I feel more confident and comfortable. The Canuck commute on the starting line. Eight o'clock, Canucks uh, make it three in a row uh, as they beat the Habs. Coming back uh, from a one nothing deficit, uh, they get a goal. The dying seconds of the game from Adam Gaudet to force overtime. A very plodding three-on-three overtime uh, before it gets to a shootout. And Thatcher Demko outduels Carey Price. I thought both goaltenders were excellent last night. I don't think the entire game was completely structurally sound. It, it had some ugly moments at, at certain points, but I, I thought both goaltenders were excellent, dialed in. Canucks had all sorts of post opportunities, but I think you could also make the case that that's all that Carey Price was kind of serving up last night. He looked comfortable. He looked confident last night. I think we're seeing a different Carey Price lately. Uh, and Thatcher Demko, man, oh, man, this is kind of par for the course these days. And another big win, backstopped by Thatcher Demko, who is the guy for the foreseeable future, it feels like now, Bear. Yeah, and post-game, Demko kind of says, I thought I was fighting it a bit. He gets beat by a puck that he didn't see. Everything else that he saw was great. You know, the Canucks had some difficulties. Anytime you, you take too many men on the ice, that's going to come back to haunt you. It did. That's how they gave up the goal. Their two-man advantage was absolutely atrocious, but they stayed with it and fought it. And, you know, we've been talking for the last couple of hours here, but no one has brought up. You haven't brought up. I haven't, and no one texting in. There's the shift that the Sedins had that you can go to YouTube and watch. My goodness, have you seen a better shift? I know the result wasn't, but that was the best shift I've ever seen Brock Besser play in overtime. Like, the tenacity that he had, he was not going to be denied. Mm. It was incredible what he had done. Brock Besser, again, uh, is kind of becoming that quiet leader by example. I thought Bo Horvat had a strong night too. But, boy, that OT shift by Besser, it was like, I'm winning this for us and I'll do it by myself. Uh, a great effort for them. And full credit for this team to win a game that maybe they didn't deserve, but they've lost some games where they've... That was an incredible save by Carey Price, too, on, on that wraparound attempt from that attempt sure. by, by Brock Besser in that overtime. You know, it's funny because we just a couple of days ago, we talked about what is probably the goal of the year candidate right now in the National Hockey mm-hmm. League with what Matt Barzell dropped the other night, right, uh, off the rush. You know, Besser's was... Man, you could make a case. I mean, if, if if that goes in, that's probably at least the goal of the season for the Vancouver Canucks. Um, and I don't know if it'll get enough credit league-wide, but the fact that he goes in single-handedly on the forecheck, you know, yeah. comes up with the puck, works for it. Like, when have you seen Brock Besser? Like, you know, whatever is into Brock Besser this year, and obviously he's healthy, um, he's confident, he's a little leaner, he's got some jump, but Brock Besser looks noticeably quicker he looks engaged. He looks involved. He goes in after the puck now where he seemed like such a peripheral player for the last couple of years. Um, but you're right. That that effort, that, that one individual shift was outstanding. Uh, probably deserved the better fate on the backhand. But you know what? Give Carey Price some credit because that was incredible because he was off balance, going backwards, reaching out and sprawling to make what was a sensational stop on a sensational individual effort by Brock Besser in the overtime. Yeah, and I, I just think that, you know, that inspires others, right? He's going to work that hard that I have to work that hard. Like, I never looked at Brock Besser as a guy who might be a leader, throw a, throw an A on his sweater. But honestly, what he's shown this year, and when, you know, you really the character shows up when a team is struggling. And, you know, Brock Besser scored, we talked about it the other day, scores for the first time in eight games, yet we hadn't been harping on Brock Besser because 
he had been doing so much to contribute to the hockey team. So credit to him, just like the Sedins when they be split apart, you wondered who was going to succeed. Brock Besser has been fine without PD in the lineup and has taken on more responsibility. I just thought that shift last night in OT was fantastic. Yeah, and, and the other thing is is contributions and getting secondary scoring and support. And look look at where this team's kind of gone and benefited from. Elias Pettersson out for the last three games. But guys have an opportunity to step up. You know, it's been showcase Jake, right, for the last uh, for the last week or so. And, you know, and Vertanen's looked engaged over the last little while, in the last, what, four or five or six games, and looks noticeable out there. And um, he steps up with a two-goal effort against the Leafs last week. There's Adam Gaudet last night. Had all sorts of chances. You know, JT Miller with the centering pass at one point. It goes off. You know, Gaudet skate just wide of the net and a chance to try to tie things up. And then... What a shot late, but, you know, there's two guys whose offensive production just went off a freaking cliff this season there, pair, and for both those guys to kind of contribute here at critical points trying to save this season, look, I think there's a lot of people listening right now that are saying, look, I don't want to see this. This is fool's gold. It's not sustainable, and maybe it isn't. I think the reality is is the Canucks need to win tomorrow night. It feels like it's a must-win game from, from a season standpoint. They're three points now from a playoff spot with the Montreal Canadiens. The Habs still have five games in hand. So if if the Habs come away with the win tomorrow night, you're talking about a five-point gap with another potential 10 points up for grabs for the Montreal Canadiens. That feels like just an insane gap. If the Canucks pick this one up tomorrow night, now you're talking about one game. Yes, there's another potential 10 points out there, but I'll tell you what, there's a way there's a way greater feeling of hope and optimism if the Canucks can find a way to pick up yet another win tomorrow night and extend this win streak to four. They've finally got some breaks going their way. They've got goaltending that was, you know, let's face it, man. Pair, the first month of the season, subpar. Now the last six weeks, you know, Thatcher Demko has found his groove and he is giving them a chance to win every night. Yeah, and listen, don't uh, I don't know if the playoffs are reality, but it does give you a better feel for what this club is trying to do. They weren't as bad as the record showed to start the year, but as much as you can go, okay, beat Montreal, unfortunately Montreal is going to play Edmonton, and you're chasing both those teams, and someone's leaving with two points, and in terrible case scenarios, uh, somebody's leaving with one and the other with two. Um, that's just the reality of the hole that they dug, but – this team now looks at the opposition, no matter who it is, and says, we can win this hockey game. And I think three weeks ago, James, you looked at Toronto coming to town and going to Winnipeg. You know, how many times have we talked about, okay, they can't win in Winnipeg, let's go through the record. Hadn't beaten Montreal since, what, 2015? Uh, a Leafs a team they can't beat. Everybody that they play in the North Division are teams that, if you go back in history, the Canucks have had no success with. And now at least this group, confidence in the room, that whoever's on the other side, they can beat. Do I think they're favored tomorrow? Not at all. But at least they have a belief in that room that if they play well, they're not going to get uh, they're not going to get run over by the Montreal Canadiens because that was not the case last night. Let's bring in Sportsnet's Dan Murphy to the conversation here on this uh, Tuesday morning. Morning, Murph. Good morning, lads. How goes today? It's you know what the sun's out. It feels like there's some optimism in the air. There's some people that would suggest this is all just smoke and mirrors. But at the same time, there's there's all of a sudden a uh, a belief in some of the optimists out there, the dreamers, the believers. What do you make of what's see, what we're seeing here for the last, what, 10 days or so? Well, I mean, I don't think it's smoke and mirrors, but I, I'm not going to, you know, 
go further and say that it's uh, a sign of, you know, real success to come. I mean, I think we've been saying now for going on five, six weeks that this team has played actually pretty well. And when they play that style, they can compete and they're not <clears throat> in these crazy six, five, seven, three games where it's chance after chance and hanging your goaltenders out to dry. So when they play uh, the way that the coach wants them to, they can be very competitive. Um, and last night, I mean, I think Montreal probably start to finish was the better team, but it wasn't by a mile, that's for sure. And both goaltenders were good. Both goaltenders got a little bit lucky. So I don't think it's smoke and mirrors at all. But I will say that because of what happened and transpired in the first you know, month of the season, I mean, they could play uh, excellent from here on in and still not get close to having a playoff spot. So, um, you know, I, I think that the team is probably happy. The players are happy. They're getting rewarded for sticking to that so-called process and seeing the fruits of their labor um, because it probably gets a little uh, repetitive and, you know, disheartening if you if you feel like you're playing pretty well and you're never getting wins. So I think they're probably feeling a lot better about themselves. They've come from behind twice now in third periods. They finally won a game in which they didn't score first. So you're seeing these the positive building blocks, uh, but I don't think anybody should get out of hand and say that they're just about to skyrocket up the North Division. Dan Murphy, your presentation of David L. Young of, of Dexter Realty. Murph, um, no number 40, J.T. Miller at center. Does J.T. Miller automatically move back to the wing when Petey is healthy again, or is this, uh, you know, uh, necessity the mother of invention and J.T. Miller might be there to stay for a while? Yeah, I, I guess it all depends on how uh, Travis Green views it. I mean, I, I certainly – when Miller has said, uh, you know, that he feels more engaged at that position. And I, and I think that the eyes, uh, the eye test kind of matches that. He seems like he's been very engaged the last couple of games. Um, you know, and we can also say that when, when he's playing online with Pedersen, even if Pedersen is the so-called centerman, a lot of times it doesn't actually play out that way um, with, with how they play. So I think that there's still a, an avenue for them to be on the same line in which Pedersen's considered the center. Uh, but I think uh, anything should be on the table at this point. I'm not sure how you would configure your top two or maybe even three lines uh, if you want to play him at center and Pedersen at center. Uh, maybe you move Miller down to uh, a third line, um, but uh, then you're looking at spreading out the scoring a little bit more, which could be a good thing. Uh, but, you know, do you have the talent uh, to put with him on that line uh, to allow him to succeed in an offensive role? as well. Um, maybe you do, maybe Godet could fit there. I'm not sure. Um, but it'd be very interesting to see, uh, if they indeed wanted to use Pedersen and him as centers uh, in the lineup, how those lines would be constructed. I, I know they've talked a lot about using Bo Horvat in sort of that matchup role. And, and, you know, Jim Benning was, was giving some glowing praise to the captain recently, which <laughs> part of me thought it was a little surprising, but, but Miller seems to drive the offense and creates and involves his teammates better than Bo does in the middle, does he not? He does. Um, but again, when you're talking about matchups, and a lot of times Bo's line gets fed to the wolves, right? I mean, that's just the reality of the situation. Uh, but I think, uh, you know, it's Miller, and I, I think even Besser uh, has taken some you know pieces out of Miller's game. Uh, it's just one of those guys that when he has the puck on his stick, he's looking to make something happen. 
He's using his body to shield off defenders. He likes to initiate contact. He likes to hang on to the puck and make some plays. And I think we're seeing Besser do the same type of stuff. So I would say, yes, that Miller is more an offense driver for sure than, than Bo Horvat. But, I mean, I, th- I think you also have to look at uh, who is usually playing with, with uh, those guys. Um, and it's not that, you know, obviously Hoaglander, when they were together, was creating driving offense. So Pearson's had, you know, not the, as good of a season as last year. So um, I think you have to be careful of, you know, kind of where you slot guys in considering what kind of minutes they play, where they start their shifts, uh, and what their matchups are. But I, I think you're certainly right to say that Miller is more of an offense driver at this point than, than Bo Horvath. When you've uh, had some success like they've had over the last couple of weeks, you can look at individual players and go, okay, that's that's as good as it gets. Are we seeing the best of Tyler Myers um, so far in a Canucks uniform? Yeah, I mean, there's still moments, right? Um, still some, you know, unexplainable moments with the puck. Um, I mean, I think we even saw defending against the Leafs, uh, which wasn't all his fault, too. There was, yeah, there was the back check that got messed up and, and missed on that one as well, and and Myers kind of got caught between trying to take the pass and uh, and trying to take the body and took neither. So, I mean, there are moments. I, I do like when Myers has the puck on his stick and he's skating with it and he's got his head up looking to make plays. I do still think that sometimes he gives the puck away a little bit and uh, and makes some plays, you know, from his own zone with the puck that uh, leaves you scratching your head. But, um, you know, he has uh, – he certainly has had his moments. Um but again, you're you're looking at a guy who's you know he's getting paid top four minutes. Uh, that's not always playing a top four role. So I don't know if you've seen the best from Tyler Myers yet. Um, I, I kind of think we just know what what Myers is at this point, and you just hope that you see more good than bad. Uh, I guess tomorrow becomes critical and still into the conversation if if there is sort of a th- this belief that they can try to jump back into it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it's it's a deep hole that they've dug themselves, but. You know, the math was kind of laid out, <laughs> you know, go 21 and 10, right? Uh, down the stretch, basically win two or three, you know, through the last, what, six games, regardless of what happens tomorrow, you know, they've already taken, you know, they've done two or three last week with the Jets and Leafs. They've in theory taken two or three here, um, you know, but, uh, you know, you want to see more of a sustained run here if they want to mm-hmm. try to get back into it here, Murph. But it does speak volumes to the, Tomorrow does feel like a do-or-die for the Canucks season in a lot of ways still. Well, I mean, I think it's a real good chance to continue with momentum, right? Because uh, this is the team that you're ultimately going to have to catch if you want to grab that fourth playoff spot, yeah. right? Um, so you can you can claw two points away from them if you can win it in regulation. And then you're going into, you know, uh, you know a part of your schedule. Yes, there's a one-off uh, with the Oilers, but then you've got Senators uh, and the Canadians again. So you've got a team in the Senators that has been, you know, obviously much, much better the last 14 games than they were the first 14 games. Uh, but there's some winnable games there. And then you have Montreal again. So you have, a, if you win tomorrow, you can look ahead. And I know we look ahead more than the teams do, but you can look ahead and see an avenue to really get some kind of momentum. And, you know, if anything, start, you know, putting a little doubt in your opponent's mind. And if they can win tomorrow, um, you know, you have the one off with Edmonton, who knows what happens there, but then you have a couple against Ottawa and then you're back into Montreal if all of a sudden you're the team that's rolling into Montreal with all the momentum and suddenly that lead is vanished regardless of the games in hand, I think you start making the Canadians think. But, I mean, we're still a long ways away from that. No, it's tough with the uh, denied access to players. Do you have any inkling 
how long uh, Pedersen could be out for is it, you know, the day to day, but you, you think it sounds like he might be a little while. Well, it's a, it's a week now, right? It's been a week. Um, yeah. And, you know, it, there was uh, some thought that he was spotted on the ice yesterday, but it happened to be Ulevi. Uh, so I'll be interested to see if he is out there uh, with the optional today skating. Um, you know, I, I sat was saying that he had heard that if it's not Wednesday, it should be Saturday. But if that's the case, and then it's more than a week and a half since it happened. So it, you hope it's a pain management thing rather than a real a serious injury. Um, but, you know, here they are. They've won three without him. Uh, that at least gives you a little bit of, uh, I'm not going to say wiggle room, but doesn't doesn't force you to try to bring him back early uh, because you're in a real pickle. So, you know, I think they'll probably be more cautious than anything. And if we don't see him at the optional skate today, I, I can't see any way how he's going to play tomorrow. Thanks, Murph. Boys, have a great day. Enjoy the sunshine when you get out of the office. Yes, looking forward to Thank that. You, Murph. It looks like a spectacular one out there. That's uh, Dan Murphy on Sportsnet 650, brought to you by David L. Young of Dexter Realty. Here, there, everywhere. The Canucks back at it tomorrow night. It is an 8 o'clock start, uh, so a bit of an adjustment on the body clock. You do wonder, look, that you know, how does that impact the Montreal Canadiens, right? Um, and, and what does that do going forward in terms of, uh, you know, what the 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 later clock, like the later start, right? It's already an adjustment for their body clock to begin with. Now mm-hmm. they're looking at starting at, what, 11 o'clock Eastern time? You know, by the time that game's over, you think about that. Like, we're talking we're, we're, t- we're talking almost 2 o'clock in the morning, you know, how, they'll, how they could be feeling. Like, they've been here for a couple of days, but it's not like they've been here a long time, you know? No, and, and it's funny because, you know, we're always breaking down what the Canucks are doing, but Eric Engel, who uh, joins us from Sportsnet on this radio station, who is based in Montreal before the game, said, you know, I'm always concerned about these these start times because it's it's 10 o'clock last night for the body clock of the Canadians when you fly in and all of a sudden you make that adjustment. You've traveled a lot, James. I've traveled a lot with hockey teams and pro sports teams. It takes a bit to get adjusted. That extra hour could be a difference, but there'll be some desire. I, I don't think... You know, the Montreal Canadiens played desperate yesterday. I mean, their intensity was good. Can they ratchet it up more? Yeah. A lot of people texting in, do we see Thomas Tatar in the lineup tomorrow? Man, can you imagine you need a goal to score and you go through the legs to see if you can, you know, take it to another round in the shootout? Uh, There might be some changes in that lineup for Montreal tomorrow for sure. Yeah, I mean, some people think that Tatar's going to get scratched for his uh, his shootout attempt. How about even Drew, Jonathan Drouin, he had the, just lost, lost the, puck. the puck on his stick, too. I mean, it was it was not exactly a banner shootout for the Montreal Canadiens last night. No, and it didn't look like they almost wanted to be there, right? I think they were stunned. All the momentum, we talk about late goals. Godet gets that goal, huge relief for them, and the Habs are going, really? We thought we were out of here with two? And, hey... What do you base your games on? Hey, we've, we've had control of this hockey team every time we played them this year. Let's not make the mistake. And it was a different Canucks team that they saw. But uh, to win two in a row is the difficulty all season long when you win the first one. They got it done against Toronto. See if they can do it against Montreal. Hey, just a reminder that this hour of the starting lineup is a presentation of our good friends over at Surrey Honda. Visit Surrey Honda located at 152nd and Fraser Highway where you'll find quality and community. You know, beautiful day shaping up here. And, and you know, spring is just around the corner pair. Uh, I think there's a, a light at the end of the tunnel. You know, Dr. Bonnie yesterday is kind of talking about, hey, if 
we keep behaving, you know, we could see some restrictions being eased up, maybe allowing people to kind of hang out outside again, just giving us giving us a little, at least a step in the right direction to get to normalcy. But I, I will say this. There's a lot of people I've talked to over the last, what, several weeks, and, and people just feeling it, feeling run down and just feeling mentally exhausted, right? Like this has been a year-long experience for all of us and it's been a grind and we know what winters can be like here and it's taken a lot of toll it's taken a real toll here on people and and that's where you know partnered up with Movember they have uh we've got on sportsnet.ca offering a sense of a lot of athletes who kind of share their stories to let other people know that hey they're not the only ones out there yeah, the mental game is up with Sportsnet. Um, and I, I think athletes are looked at as such heroes. And then you find out that, you know what, getting paid to play a game is great, but there are some difficulties. Tyler Mott is going to be so welcome back to this lineup to get his jump again with this team rolling. What an addition. But Tyler Mott has also stepped forward and likely the biggest assist he has given in his NHL career is when he talked about his battle with mental health. And this series... Feature strategies for Mott, he makes a, a daily checklist and he'll go outside because he lives in Vancouver and just get away for a hike. Tyler O'Neill, who is a, a BC boy, talks about this and how he plays the piano and does some yoga. That's how he gets away. And James, to your point, man, it just seems like a lot of people are afraid right now and they just have to get to that finish line. So find something that, you know, and the strategies that will help you get there. You know, for me, I try to make a point of at least trying to go for a run or a walk with the dog each and every day, but just getting that fresh air, getting active, getting that heart rate going, that makes a huge difference for me. The Mental Game, in partnership with Movember, you can watch the full series now at sportsnet.ca slash the mental game. Hey, it's 24 minutes after 8 o'clock. Let's do this. We want to give you an opportunity. Look, the Canucks are on a roll right now, and this is all happening on the heels of Jim Benning's comments with the media back on Friday that had a lot of people going, man, what the hell's going on here? Just sell all these assets. Quit talking about taking it day by day. You know, are you changing your tune right now? What do you make of this run right now? I'd like to open up the phones at 604-280-0650. Numbers 604-280-0650. Are you changing your tune about this team, or are you simply looking at this three-game win streak as being smoke and mirrors and maybe just causing a, a, a wrinkle in the plans to say, hey, look, you know, sell these assets right now, or do you think that this actually might be sustainable with what Thatcher Demko is doing, the reemergence of J.T. Miller? 604-280-0650. Love to have you weigh in with some of your thoughts as the Canucks have now taken four the last five. They've won three straight, another critical game against the Habs tomorrow. Your chance to weigh in. We'll open up the phones and hear from you. 604-280-0650 here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Welcome to the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. All right, 8.30 in this hour of the starting lineup presentation of our good friends at Surrey Honda. Visit Surrey Honda located at 152nd and Fraser Highway where you'll find quality and community. He's Perry Solkowski. I'm James Sabolski taking you until 9 o'clock. And the phone lines are open now, 604 280 0650. What are you making of this run right now? Does it change the narrative? Does it make you uh, think twice that maybe this team 
is starting to find their way. We start with Dan and Abbotsford, who joins us this morning here on Sportsnet 650. Good morning, Dan. Good morning, guys. Thanks for giving me a voice on this. Go um, ahead. What do you got to say, Dan? Yeah, yeah. what I got to say is I think one of the things about the Canucks is they weren't getting a lot of breaks. And what I mean by that is there were a lot of times where opposing teams would just throw their stick around and, you know, when a guy got around him and just wildly swung it and it just happened to hit that. And Montreal didn't get that last night. Toronto had some, some times where they had that. But for the most part, Vancouver's been able to kind of overcome that. And I think that was a big part. I mean, you know, look at Pedersen and how many posts he had, right, where sometimes those would go in last year. And they just didn't have that this year. And I, I'm not saying they're going to play out. I don't think so. The, the hole's too deep. But I do think they're a better team than what they showed, and I think that they were probably they're probably like they should have probably maybe four or five more wins than they than they do. But that's how the puck bounces. Puck bounces are huge, and I you know there's going to be a lot of changes obviously in the off season because of all the contracts coming off the books. But having said that, I think those bounces that were going against them aren't going against them now, and I think you're seeing that result, especially for Montreal. I mean, geez. Montreal got every single bounce against Vancouver in that three-game set in Vancouver. It was crazy. Yeah, and then it then it went back to Montreal, and it was kind of the same old, right? I mean, what Tyler Toffoli eight goals in those first five games. Dan, appreciate the call, and yeah, no, I and I think that's a realistic approach, right? And it does feel that in some respects that you know is there a bit of a market correction uh, for for this team in the sense that this team lost some heartbreaking ways, right? And and just certain things where. You know, case in point, Pear, you look at two individuals that were in their top nine in Jake Vertanen and Adam Gaudet, two guys that absolutely fell off cliffs offensively this season. And in the last week during this run, or even in this three-game win streak, you know, both Jake Vertanen and Adam Gaudet have factored in in big ways to help this team win. But I think part of that luck is the pressure that you put on. I, Nate Schmidt talked about it. I think he went back-to-back games once he inadvertently kicks a puck right to someone's stick, another one, it hits a body in front, then off him. And he said, honestly, I don't know if my hockey career I've ever had that happen to me. But if you're defending, it happens. You look on Saturday night, finally a puck goes into the Leafs defenseman's skates and it goes right to JT Miller. So it's the pressure you put on. I agree with Dan. I don't think this team has been as bad as the record showed, but they've worked harder. They put more pressure on the opponent's defenseman thus creating those opportunities. We all know the goalposts and how many PD hit, but hey, it's, it's evened out a little bit. Uh, but I think that's from the total work ethic that the team has put in in the last month. 604-280-0650. That frees up a phone line. 604-280-0650. We head to the island. That's where we find Glenn. Glenn, days like this, man, you got to be loving Victoria, right? It's absolutely gorgeous here, not going to lie. Beautiful, <laughs> sunny day. I can see cherry blossoms from my car right now. Driving nice. To school. nice. It's absolutely gorgeous. But aside from that, the Canucks have been on some kind of streak lately. Um, if they keep up this momentum and, you know, keep winning three out of four games like they have been, well, that's the math. They're in. That's how it works. Everybody says if they can continue, you know, Three out of four games, that's kind of what the, the click rate is, where they've got to at least do that to get into the playoffs. Well, if they keep it up, they're in. And I think uh, as long as they, you know, uh, when they get Petey back, you know, maybe a, gives them a step, we go again, win, win, win. That's the only thing to do is win and you're in, right? And uh, if uh, they play well and, you know, keep taking pucks to the net, Good things will happen.
I want to see them in the playoffs this year. Uh, I don't think they'll win uh, too many rounds in the playoffs unless they get lucky. But, you know, he was saying the pucks are starting to go our way. Maybe they'll just continue this pace. All right, Glenn. Yeah. Oh, the blossoms are starting to pop, man. You can start to see those, right? It's March. Nothing but blue skies for Glenn and Victoria on a day like this, (laughs) right? That they're going to win, win, win. Uh, Hey, it'd be interesting to see what Travis Green has broken the segments down to for the guys. Is he he down to two of three? Has he broken it into four-game segments? They always do. It's just a matter of what it is. And the numbers are right, James. We talked about it. And we talked about Ron McClain saying two weeks ago, you know what? Give them the next six games. Well, they will be four of six in those games, even if they lose tomorrow. So are they going two of three? Uh, it's possible, as Murph said, the hole is so big. Enjoy the games. Don't look at the standings. But, yeah, it, it's it's not out of the realm of possibility. And that's, you know, it's funny how necessity has kind of given an opportunity to see some players in a different light over the last week with Pedersen out. Right, and there's there's been such a reliance, and I, and I think that the coaching staff feels that, and look at the way the season's gone. Right, if the lotto line's not scoring, nobody else really is this year. Right, it's just been, it's been so dry in terms of your your support scoring so far this season. And as I mentioned, you know Adam Gaudet steps up last night with a late game goal. You know there's Jake Vertanen with a pair of snipes there last week. You're starting to see a little bit of this. You know, J.T. Miller being moved to the middle. I mean, I, I feel like this can't just be an experiment. I, J.T. Miller needs to stay in the middle, at least for the foreseeable future. I mean, since he's moved to the middle, they've won three straight games and has engaged and has involved other players and teammates and guys getting in on the scoring. So, you know, that's certainly been encouraging here going forward for this team. But, you know, a lot of this comes back to Thatcher Demko as well and with the way that he has played over the last while. You know, Cam Rob taking to Twitter last night and pointing this out. The last 15 appearances for Thatcher Demko, it's now a 930 save percentage. Pair, we talked to a former Hart Trophy winner, a former Besna Trophy winner as well, and Jose Theodore from the Montreal Canadiens. And Jose kind of weighed in on what we're seeing right now and, and what he's seeing and been quite impressed from Thatcher Demko's performance. And he kind of chimed in saying that, look, this is he absolutely deserves a chance to be the starter, and that's no longer bubble Demko. It's just straight up Demko. For sure, I think it's his, his moment to to give him a chance to be number one goalie. Because if you look at the situation in Vancouver, like you mentioned, uh, they had a great great goalie and a really good guy in the dressing room with uh, Markstrom. I played with Markstrom in in Florida when he was, you know, up and down uh, with 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 the team. So. So I know what kind of a guy he is, and he's the kind of guy that in the room everybody everybody likes. He's a big present, and you know when I saw that Vancouver let him go, I kind of asked myself. I said, why would you let a guy go that already proven that he could do the job? You don't need to hope, or you don't need to to say if if if. You know that he's gonna play good. He's well respected, and then you go and sign a, a guy like Obi for. You know, pr- pretty big money. I, I think it's what four point five that uh, yeah that Hobie is signed. Obviously, they signed him to to help Demko and just the transition and have a veteran guy. And hopefully, he still has some good year into him. But the way Demko played in the playoff last year, I think that was a big turning point because whenever a guy could play well under pressure, 
in the playoff when, when, when it counts. Obviously, that's a good indication that he's ready to step up and be your guy. Uh, and the way he played the last, uh, the last couple of games, he's been really uh, on the tear. And I think looking at, at the way he plays now, confidence, he got his rhythm back. I would definitely push him to be number one. You look at good number one goalies like Carter Hart and Philly, they gave him the number one job when he was 20 years old, 21 years old. Carey Price in Montreal, same thing. So I feel Demko now, he, he paid his dues. The way he's playing, he's really he's been the best goalie in Vancouver. And I think if Vancouver wants to have a chance to be in the playoff, you're going to need to have Demko playing like he did last game, yes, last night. Uh, and they have a good team. So obviously he could make uh, March, uh, the, you know, the departure of Markstrom way easier if he keeps playing the way, the way he is. So there's Jose Theodore uh, seeing what uh, his observations uh, on the Canucks goaltending situation right now and says, hey, absolutely. Kind of saying what everybody else is saying here right now. Like, run with Demko. He deserves the opportunity. Let's go back to the phones here at 604-280-0650. Vance in the loops here on Sportsnet 650 starting lineup. Good morning, sir. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you folks today? Good. How are you doing, man? Good, Vance. Oh, I'm just uh, living off a cloud right now off of that uh, huge comeback last night. <clears throat> um, I just wanted to say that, uh, you know, uh, we've been being preached to that we're going to start seeing some youth in our lineup. And uh, I think that is, you know, mixed with the, the few um, the few vets that we have on there. You know, like everybody just seems to somewhat be gelling right now. Um the the youth movement is, is fascinating to watch. Demco is amazing to to see every night, um, and uh, and uh, just to to wrap it all up, and I'll let you guys go because I'm at work too, and I'll probably get in trouble for this. But um, <laughs> the the between the legs move, like I, it's almost like every single highlight that we see has got somebody doing this move. Is this going to be like a staple now? Anyway, I'll hang up now and let you guys talk. The skills, the skills next level these days with this generation of players, right? Well, Horvath tried it uh, side of the net. I mean, I, I think where your body position is, where you can put the puck, Bo did it and you go, okay, that was probably your best option. Thomas Tatar, when you're in alone, yeah, I, I'm not going there. But the, the skill move is there. <laughs> I, I, it, it's ridiculous. You know, someone texted in Eric from Ladner going, you wonder as if, you know, the Canucks success is that a team preparing for Vancouver was – all right, let's just make sure we stop Petey, and it goes from there. And, James, I think there's a little bit of truth from that. How often did we go, if the lotto line's not scoring, where are they getting anything from? Now you don't have the lotto line, and to what Murph had said, I don't know, do you spread it out? It seems like it has been a little bit more out of necessity over the last week. Hey, real real quick, let's get to uh, to line two, and we go to Fathead Dave. Fathead Dave, is that Fathead even appropriate? Dave. Dave, what's going on? Uh, I'm doing well, lads. How about you? It's just a nickname, man. <laughs> and, and, it's, like and that's and that's and that's fat with a, and, and it's fat with a ph, right, Dave? Sure. Whatever blows your hair back, man. <laughs> Perfect. Um, What's on your mind? I'd like I'd like to see Dominic Roussel waved. I'm I'm done with him. He, you know what? He was an effective player like ten years ago. Not anymore. But he's taken away minutes from Zach McEwen. That kid is big, fast, and can play. And he can't make any more mistakes than Russell's already making. Get rid of him and let McEwen play. I'm going to hang up. Let, let me figure out what you guys think about that. 
Thanks, Dave. Uh, you got 15 more months, right? 15 more and months Antoine for Antoine Roussel. Roussel. Yeah. Uh, for Antoine I thought Roussel. he's been better, though. I, you know, James, I thought he's been better in the last couple of weeks. Like, I, I think the three and four lines have been better. Hey, he can skate, and I think that's what we talked about earlier. That's laboring Zach McEwen right now. This team's a little faster when Zach's not in the lineup. When when he's not in the penalty box, Antoine Roussel also brings the element of killing penalties. And I don't yep. know if Zach McEwen's there. And if he had that element to his game, I think that would be another versatile element that the Canucks, that Travis Green and the coaching staff would look to maybe employ. All right, 8.43, some final thoughts. We'll get to you up as to what Scott Rintoul's got coming up on the show as well. And man, oh man. When allergy season strikes, it caught our hockey insider, one of the best in the business, Elliot Friedman. Oh, you got to hear this to believe it. Next, right here on your home in the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Here's your Canucks in a song. I got. I can't find the name of who was suggested this, but Canucks in a song, going with a little TLC waterfall, saying, "Canucks fans, don't go chasing waterfalls. It's all an illusion. Don't fall. Our, don't our, take the bait on this three-game win streak." Yeah, that was our man Langley Fun Guy, uh, who came up with that one, just saying, "Yeah, no, don't go chasing waterfalls." Hey, uh, I'm not saying he's wrong. Our job is to take the temperature of the the listening audience and the Canucks fans. And, yeah, some have said, man, it's amazing how crazy people get when they win well. They've played good hockey in the last week, so enjoy it. Uh, it could be a completely different story Thursday morning. You know that. And I think the, I think the fans know that too, right? That, all right, maybe, just maybe. It's, it's nice to have hope. Yeah, no, 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 for sure. It's uh, it, it hope, <laughs> hope is what uh, that's all you want, I think, as a fan in sports, right? You want to have hope, feel like your team has a chance, um, and I, I think that's been the frustrating thing in, in this market for probably the last half decade because, you know, this market didn't have hope, and and if you look at the better part of what or almost fifteen years from two thousand to essentially two thousand fourteen, two thousand fifteen. Like, this team's run to the playoffs. I don't want to say that this market got spoiled, but, man, like, you look at the consistent sellouts every night, the West Coast Express era pair, and then, trans, you know, going into the 2011 kind of sort of group with the Twins and Bieksa and Kessler and Burroughs and Luongo. I mean, fans saw some really fun, entertaining, and exciting hockey teams for a good decade plus, right? And then to kind of go into this wasteland for a long time, um, then you get excited with some hope last year, and then the steps back this year, it's like, ah, I thought we were done with this, right? Uh, I wasn't listening to you because when you mentioned Burroughs, I just thought of his haircut last night. He's, he's got that thing really dark. Did you like the, the do he's got going right now? I don't know. It's I mean, Most hipsters kind of have that. It's I No, it just, it just seemed a lot darker than normal. I was just Wow, that's that's got a dark look. Well, it's dark on top, it. and it's uh, you know it looked like there was a little salt and pepper on the sides. I, I don't know. There's a few of us. I feel like I keep it kind of dark on top, and um, I'm kind of you know a little J. Jonah Jameson, uh, if you will. If um, you're insulting Alex Burrow's hair, Perry. You're taking your life in your own hands there. I don't know. No, if I, I wasn't. I just was thinking of his hair. When I just I hadn't seen Burrow's for a couple years, and I just didn't think the dude was looking like that. 
I like him behind the bench. I, I like that half team. Another thing I think, James, we forget is you always talk at some point, and granted it's a 56-game season, there are dog days of, of a hockey season. And we can't have any in Vancouver because the dog days were the first six weeks of the season and they are in a fight. But I do think for a Toronto Maple Leaf team, maybe not so much for Montreal, but they make those changes and maybe for Winnipeg a little bit. You know, there are going to be a, a part of the season, be it a week or two, where there's a struggle to get up. Can't be in Vancouver, so you push forward. But I, I do think the Canucks have taken advantage of a couple teams that just weren't ready for them. Uh, the Scott Rintoul Show coming your way in uh, just a matter of moments at the top of the clock. Mike McKenna, um, NHL goalie analyst, uh, Colby Armstrong from Sportsnet will drop on by. Eric Engels as well, who covers the Habs. i got to share this before we go here, Pear. Elliot Friedman, our Sportsnet hockey insider, who is reporting, by the way, that Jack Eichel won't play tonight because of an upper body injury. And, you know, there's some rumblings that Eichel could be out longer term, so no clarification. But Elliot Friedman was on our sister station in Calgary at Sportsnet 960, the fan, yesterday. And, well, you know, while spring is kind of in the air, it doesn't always work for everybody. Spring is just around the corner. You can feel it in the air. You can also see the buds on the trees. But it also means allergy season is looming, which can lead to awkward, sniffling, sneezing, and embarrassing moments like this from our Sportsnet hockey insider, Elliot Friedman. They want to go back. It was a big deal today. Hold on. <laughs> it's allergy season, I get it. Yes, it is. It's ex- the weather got nice today, so that's exactly what <laughs> happened. As you know, it's a big deal for the players. They badly want to go, and uh, <laughs> they want to go. And I think as long as we can actually work it out, they're going to go. My wife is dying here. She thinks this is hilarious. Ted, I just had a little uh, a Claritin, so I should be okay. Okay. Reach for Claritin. That's what Friedman does. I can see clearly now the rain is gone. When he finally gets around to it anyway. All I got Kelly world. texting me. He can't stop laughing. Rudy just, this is hilarious. Rudy oh, yeah, texted Rudy texted me. Who else texted me? Uh, a lot of them, but Rudy goes, poor Elliot. Um, and no, he's, he's laughing. You he, think, he think he thinks this is sad? This is his entertainment for the afternoon. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, happens to the best of us during allergy season, Perry. I tell you, if you're going to be an insider, Elliot, stay inside because the pollen is in the air. That's great stuff. We got to get out of here. Uh, Canucks uh, back at it tomorrow. Thanks so much for everybody for uh, taking part of your morning uh, to share it with us. We're back at it. Same bat time, same bat channel. Ed Jovanoski will join us uh, at 7 o'clock tomorrow morning, and we'll get you set for the Canucks and the Habs round number two right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.